0: Hello, everyone. This is Q of the MJ cast, and this is episode 108, a regular news and discussion episode. Not only am I joined by my co-host, Jamin Bull, but today we are also joined by YouTuber and MJ fan, Danny Wu. We will be discussing his upcoming documentary, Square One, later in the show. We've also got some other news stories like a Smithsonian exhibition, Men of Change, Strength, Victory and Truth, which will feature Michael Jackson. The Michael Jackson official on the wall uh, exhibition is now in Finland. We have a bizarre and interesting press conference from Michael's former Uh, Press person and manager, whoever she was, Raymond Bain. Uh, We got Michael Trapson drops a full tribute film. Joe Vogel's book has been re-released, expanded and revised. And we've got new music from Jacksons. We will be discussing today in our main topic, all of the Michael Jackson documentaries that have come out recently, including Chase the Truth. And the massive lies of Leaving Neverland, as well as Square One from Danny Wu. Welcome to 108 episodes of The MJ Cast.
1: The following is a presentation from The MJ Cast, the internet's premier podcast on all things Michael Jackson.
0: You're listening to The MJ Cast. By MJ fans, or
2: MJ fans. The idea is to uh, innovate, or else why Why am I doing it? When I create my music, I feel like an instrument of nature. You let it create itself, really. I know I do. And I love to entertain. That's, that's one of my favorite things.
3: I love
2: you! <laughs> <laughs> I love my fans. I'm just simply Michael Jackson. Welcome to the MJ cast. Your
0: source of news and discussion on the king of pop. Hello. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. Are you still celebrating Michael Jackson's birthday the other week? I sort of am. Why why, why cease the celebrations of the greatest? I'm Q. Thanks for joining us. Jamin, thank you for dialing in from Studio Brisbane. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. I'm coming off the back of about a fortnight of just straight... Uh, marking grading papers for school. So pretty exhausted, but happy to be here to catch up on all the latest MJ news
0: for sure. And then before that, you had also crazy weeks of school because you had like foreign delegations from overseas high schools at your school. You're doing like sister school stuff.
1: Yeah, we um we actually just had a group of kids come over from China to our school, we host international study tours. And this group of kids, it was really interesting because they didn't know each other at all. They, normally, we get kids all from the same school, but this group of kids had never met each other before in their whole lives. And the only commonality they had, the 18 of them, all of their parents worked for the same company all throughout China. So the company rewarded the families by sending their kids overseas for an Australian experience. And I had to plan the whole thing, and it was fun oh. and awesome. And
0: yeah. That's I'm exhausted. full on, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but we did have a little bit of a break uh, for the MJ cast. We had a couple of uh, weeks before we dropped episode 107 for Michael's birthday, the incredible interview with Big Owl from Neverland. So that was uh, good for both of us, I think.
1: Yeah, and that episode's been received really well. Well done on heading that one up, Q. It's been an amazing listen. I've listened to it twice now.
0: Yeah, I've actually added it back into the my podcast queue to listen to it again too, because I really enjoyed it. It was really good. It turned out really well with the, the music and the stories and the vibe of it. It was really good. So also thanks to Elise again for helping with that. Yeah, that was a great interview. And today we've got a special guest on the line, dialing in from Studio
4: Vancouver in Canada, Danny Wu. Dude, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jamin and Q. Um, It's a pleasure to join you guys on this podcast. I've been listening to you guys since the beginning of the year. So to be on here now is a pleasure and it's surreal.
0: So you mentioned that uh, you found us with the uh, roundtable episode we did, which was with um, Marcos Cabota, Taz Jackson, and Charles Thompson. Jamin, I think you were there. Samar returned for that one. That was cool. And
4: you sort of like, who's this guy talking about his uncle (laughs) right so so what happened was after um obviously the leaving neverland news i was searching up as many podcasts as i could to kind of just get educated on the topic um and the first one i found was the leaving neverland roundtable and it featured a lot of guests at the time i couldn't really recall um, who was on there but obviously you guys just reminded me but when i first listened to it uh there was a guy on there, and he's talking about, uh, you know, my uncle this, my uncle wouldn't do this. You know, my uncle wrote me this letter. And in my head, I'm like, like, what does your uncle have to do with any of this? And then it wasn't until later <laughs> on I realized that it was Taj Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's kind of funny now because, like, Taj is almost like a big brother to me now. So um, it's kind of cool to go from that to being here.
0: Wow, that is awesome. Oh. Yes, you've had... um. You've had Taj and Brandy on your YouTube channel, haven't you?
4: Yes, yes, yes. Uh, I've made two Michael Jackson videos at the time. I think they both had around 180k views. So what I did was I donated all the money that I've got from ad revenue from those two videos to Taj Jackson's um, GoFundMe for his own documentary. That's and I realized that right. I realized that Taj Jackson followed me on Twitter. So what I did was I sent him a DM. It's kind of embarrassing to like think back to it, but it was like pretty long. I was trying to be funny, but I don't know <laughs> if it landed as well as I thought. But Taj was kind enough to agree to be interviewed. And uh, originally, it was supposed to be just Taj. And then I just threw in the Twitter DM. I just said, so you and Brandy will be available on this day, right? <laughs> kind of just hoping that they go oh, along with it. Good and then Taj was like, yeah, we'll, we'll be ready. And uh, we set a date. Took a, took a few weeks to kind of get it finalized because Taj was really busy around that time. Yeah. And uh, we released that interview and that was basically the beginning of um, this whole process. Whoa,
1: very cool. Very cool. We need to get Brandy Q. We need to keep trying on that one.
4: Yeah, we need to keep trying on <laughs> <with> Brandy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's all we need to do. Thanks for the tip. We'll just uh, set it up with Taj. Yeah, yeah. You'll both be ready, right? Thanks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes. yeah. mm-hmm. Danny, we want to find out a little bit about you as well in terms of, you know, being an MJ fan. So talk to us about like when you first discovered Michael Jackson in your life.
4: Well, growing up in Vancouver, I I wasn't like around my parents a lot because my parents would go back and forth between China and Canada. So what would happen is I think one one year my dad came back and he just said, son, like, I just have something to show you. And he took out a DVD set. We sat as a family and just watched the entire performances. We watched every music video. Uh, I remember vividly it got to the VMA 95. and my dad's just like, like, watch this performance. It was dangerous. He's just like playing it back for us. And it was one of the most incredible performances I've ever seen in my life. And um, around the same time, I think this was in 2008. This was also the 25th anniversary of Thriller. So there were a lot of television specials, stuff like that on TV And I just, I started falling in love with Michael Jackson and his dance. Obviously didn't know too much about his character at that point. My English tutor at the time also was a big Michael Jackson fan. So we would study his lyrics together and she would tell me what they mean. You know, I remember her telling me what a masquerade means for the very first time from Thriller. So that was a really cool experience. And then I remember in around 2009, early 2009, I told my friends that, for the school grad this year uh it was my elementary school grad uh for the school grad we should do a michael jackson dance uh we should do thriller uh and my friend agreed originally i told him that we would both be michael jackson but as the process went along it was just me as michael jackson (laughs) uh i don't know how that happened but uh And then I added a Billie Jean solo in front of that as well. And um, that performance happened on June 17, 2009. So that was was the peak of my MJ fandom. Uh, It was a cool performance. And a week later, um, MJ passed away. And that hit me really hard. And um, throughout the years, I still would practice my Michael Jackson dance moves and stuff like that but the the I wasn't the crazy fan that I, I once was anymore. Also, when I got older in high school, I had to focus more on basketball because that was what I was recruited to do in my high school. I went on a pretty big growth spurt. I grew from five foot six to six foot three in about three Whoa. years. So like my knees couldn't really handle all the Michael Jackson dancing anymore. And uh, I just kind of became a casual fan until, I think it was around two years ago i started researching the michael jackson case again and this time i was uh, looking at the other side so i found websites like mj facts stuff like that and i was like oh my goodness like this is crazy there's so much to this like why did i think he was innocent this whole time without looking too far into the case and when leaving neverland was announced earlier this year I just had a really bad feeling about it. I thought that um, Michael was definitely guilty. And my original plan was, uh, because at the time I I also had a YouTube channel with a pretty decent amount of subscribers, I wanted to make a video where I detailed both sides of the case, thinking one side saying that Michael Jackson is guilty and one side saying that Michael Jackson is innocent. So I started obsessively researching the case you know finding every podcast I can reading every article I can and then by the end of it it just didn't feel right to me like I just was more leaning towards that this guy is innocent and most of the other stuff that I read about him from the hater websites were completely taken out of context so uh, (laughs) that's how I became a Michael Jackson defender on YouTube and ultimately um, landing the interview with Taj and Brandy Jackson.
1: Wow. That was a really awesome and comprehensive summary. Thank you. That's like your whole journey as an MJ fan. And here we are today chatting about MJ again. (laughs) This is very, very cool. Exactly. I've got to ask as well, earlier, just when you were talking, then you were saying about way back when in 2008, you had an English tutor. Does that mean English is your second language?
4: Yes. English is my second language. I, I, uh, moved from China to Canada when I was seven years old it was pretty hard for me to le- learn English at first when I was I remember when I was young I thought that the moment I arrived in Canada I would be able to speak English automatically oh, <laughs> that was bless. like a belief that I had in my <laughs> a little kid belief. well your
1: English is amazing now so uh, what part of China is your family from my wife is actually Chinese she really? comes from Fujian province in the south we go to China pretty much every year
4: that's amazing. Um, I'm from Chengdu, China. That's where the pandas are from, I guess. Um, you guys would know Sichuan. It's from Sichuan province. Yep,
0: spicy food. I love it. They had that really big earthquake a few years ago.
4: Yes, yes. I remember uh, during that earthquake, I actually organized a fundraiser for my school yeah. and um, we got some got some quarters raised, I'm sure, uh, and uh, it's for a cool cause.
1: Very cool. Now, before we get into the news, would you be able to give a little shout out to our Chinese listeners in, in Mandarin?
4: Of course That's um. Hello everyone, you're listening to the MJ cast Continue to Michael That's so
0: cool <laughs>
4: Awesome That's a
1: first for us Yeah, first Canadian guest, first Chinese guest
4: I guess English would kind of be my third language Because I speak two Chinese languages In China, there's a lot of dialects, right? I'm sure you would know and a lot of it is very different from Mandarin. So Mandarin's kind of like my second language and the English is like third.
1: Same as my wife. Her main language she speaks is Hakka.
4: Right. Yeah.
1: Cool stuff. All right. Well, how about we hit some follow-up, Q?
0: Yes. Let's do some follow-up. Michael Jackson birthday events roundup.
1: I have no idea what happened this year. Like I, I'm so in the dark. I
0: don't know what happened in Vegas. <laughs> have you been seeing stuff on social media? I, I need like just chit chat. And there was someone that spoke to Branka, and they said they didn't go easy on him. They didn't demand that the Michael tracks get removed, but apparently Branka said again, and this is he's been saying this for ten years that the history concert will come out in high definition really yeah that's that's like literally the only thing I've heard.
1: Yeah, I guess there was no Q&A.
0: No, I don't think so. I'm not sure. I don't think there was. I saw a picture of um, like a fan meetup at the hotel. They had like a lunch. I think Shawnee was there, Shawnee Kay from the UK. But no, I really haven't heard much. But we had a cool local meetup here. Uh, we did our little Perth MJ charity lunch that we do every year. This year it was at a different venue because our other venue closed down. So it was at a dome cafe. Uh, It's like probably one of the reasons we don't have Starbucks over here is because we already had this chain, coffee chain here. So they never really wanted to break into the market when they first came to Australia, which sort of sucks because I do love Starbucks. Um, Mm -hmm. But we had a charity lunch and we raised $140, which was really cool. And uh, we are sending half to Telethon, Our local telethon, it's like what I think the biggest telethon event that a a local TV station like Channel 7, they do in the whole world. We raise like the highest amount in the world with our local telethon. So half will go to that, 70 bucks, and the other half will go to SOS Children's Villages in the United Kingdom to help sponsor a child in conjunction with Heal the MJ World and MJFFC charities, Michael Jackson charities. There, so that is really cool. So shout out to um, my MJ mates that came and and new friends because we had a few new faces this year. Uh, so there was Julie who helps organise it every year and set the TV up. Like because we had a TV in the little room in the cafe and we were playing like our uh, the humanitarian documentary and and concert clips and video clips and stuff in the background. So that was really cool. Thank you for setting that up and playing that stuff, Julie. And Justine was there, Brenda, and Beck, and Belle, New Face Belle, and uh, Adam, and his little brother, who's uh, seven, his name is Aiden, and he's the coolest kid in town, I can tell you, because he had like this Michael Jackson jacket on, and Adam came in full Michael Jackson jacket like really top quality nice Michael Jackson jacket and he had like the wig and everything and uh, they they were having a great time and doing some dances and stuff but when um Adam and Aiden came past a table after they'd gone to order food or something um they came back into our room and this this table stopped and said, "Oh, could I get a photo with you?" because he was all dressed as Michael, this this grown woman And they were like, yeah, yeah, come in here and, you know, we'll get a photo. So she came in and then she brought her elderly mother and husband into the room as well. So they all got photos with Adam in his Michael outfit. And then they donated money because they were like, we told them about what we were doing because we had a little sign on the door just saying like Michael Jackson birthday party. Um so people sort of knew there was something happening in there, but they came in and they got photos and they donated these just random strangers donated like money to our charity collection. So that was such an awesome moment. It was really cool. So yeah, that was actually an awesome lunch. Yeah, so shout nice. out to that all those people great. that came. It was such an easy thing to organize, like, you know, just our local Facebook group and then the Australia Facebook group, you know, we put it up on there and, and it was really good that new people got to come. The usual people that didn't come, didn't come again. But that's cool. We still had a really great time anyway.
1: Danny, what did you get up to?
4: For Michael's birthday, uh, I was trying to, I, was, I went for a dinner with uh, my assistant who's been helping me with my documentary. And uh, we had a couple of drinks and called it a night. I uh, had a lot of work to do, a lot of work to finish up on. But um, we celebrated in spirit. Nice. And How about you? Jamin, yeah
1: um i what did i do i was editing oh frantically <laughs> I spent yeah like, you did actually yeah i spent like three days straight or something no no that's an exaggeration three nights straight editing that episode because <laughs> uh you know we've gotten some good feedback about that episode but the let me tell you the raw version of it was not the best audio
0: <laughs> yeah big Al. big Al was in like a hotel room was that the problem Yeah, yeah. he was in like...
1: Oh, there was two problems.
4: I love that podcast.
1: The audio kept cutting out mid-word. There was all these gaps between the words, so I had to manually like stitch together every freaking time there was a gap. And then there was, I don't know, there was this weird whiny buzz going on from probably the room next to him. Oh, yeah, there was the the
0: plumbing of the hotel was really (laughs) loud because every time (laughs) someone was having a shower or whatever, you could hear the plumbing through the microphone that Big Al was using. The, oh, my God.
1: Great interview, but, like, by the end of that editing process, I was ready to... I was done. Mm.
0: <laughs> but I'm glad people... I can like, <laughs> someone please give Jamin an editing award, God damn it, because he really deserves thank it. You. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, But it was a good year for, you. like, celebrating with other people, and it was good. It was good.
1: Well, we needed it, didn't God we? Goddamn, we needed album. it.
0: Hell, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> got some more follow-up. So this is pretty big news not only for the MJ Cast, but one of our particular team members at the MJ Cast and what they're doing, Charlie Thompson, who incidentally just texted me this crazy message saying he just literally got back home now from meeting Paul McCartney. Oh, so wow. I need to find out what Whoa. the hell's going on there. Pretty damn cool. But um anyway, he uh he is now Charlie Thompson, our legal correspondent, has now been engaged by by Taj Jackson for their documentary project this news is a few weeks old but Charlie is now the official one well you know an official team member he's writing the the script really for this um, for Taj's documentary uh, and this is huge news for the fan community because as we know Charlie is an award-winning investigative journalist one of the best at what he does. there's nobody on the planet that knows more about the allegations than Charlie Thompson. Um, so it's incredible that he's teaming out with Taj and so excited with what comes from
0: that. Um, it's going to be awesome. Nice. Congratulations, Charlie. He's actually also been paid to uh, work on the content for another podcast
4: related to the Michael Jackson case. I think it's also it's cool that uh, Charles Thompson. What people don't realize is that he's literally won awards for breaking the Shoeberry um, pedophile ring story, which is like he knows what he's talking about uh, when he uh, with allegations like this. So uh, yeah. I think that's also a point that needs to be stressed harder. Six national awards, including one from Channel Four.
1: Yeah, it's it's. I find it hilarious when people on Twitter are like, Charlie Thompson's a pedophile defender. <laughs> Pretty sure he's like not. Like clearly. (laughs) Let's
0: look at the resume, folks. Let's do a little bit of background check-in and go, oh shit, okay, this guy knows his stuff and he is legit. And exposes pedophiles. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's always an awkward moment. Like, uh, you have no idea what you're talking about. (laughs) Good bar troll.
1: Exactly, uh, more follow up. There's uh, two people that have now revealed themselves as complete and utter dicks in the Michael Jackson fan world: Fifty Cent and Sheryl Crow. Kind of wasn't expecting that to happen over the past few weeks,
0: really. But um, add them to the list. Yeah,
1: like, well, Fifty Cent has always sort of been a MJ ally, you know. Always talking about, you know, of course he's on the fake track "Monster" on the Michael album, but before that whole Oprah show ever happened. Um, he legitimately was in contact with Michael Jackson to work on stuff like him and his DJ. There was heaps of news back in the day about him meeting with Michael in Bahrain and different places or wherever it was. I think it might have actually been at, yeah, it. yeah, might have been Bahrain. I can't really remember. But um, they did have some kind of a connection and friendship. And I wouldn't have been surprised if they went on to work together. And 50 Cent's always talked positively about Michael and their interactions and then all of a sudden, a couple of weeks ago, or whatever it was a week ago, he decided to just totally reveal that he thinks Michael Jackson's a pedophile on Instagram. Crazy. but So he got his butt shut down pretty he quick. He did. Chris Brown Paris,
0: and Chris Brown as well.
1: Yeah, what happened there? I didn't know about yeah, that. Yeah, Chris
0: Brown was like, uh, get back in your box, 50, because no, bullshit. <laughs> he was like, nah. Yeah. He, he didn't stand for it. Chris Brown really stood up for MJ against 50 Cent. There was actually a lot of people that I think commented on 50's post. I think he ended up deleting it from Insta and Twitter because so many other big-name music people were defending Michael, including Paris yesterday.
1: Yeah, that was a bit awkward too, though, because she shot back at him, which was amazing. I loved her response about like mm-hmm. the, danger- uh, the Super Bowl. But then after that, she was tweeting like, um, See, I said something. For F's sake, like, uh, I felt bad that so many people must harass oh, her to, yeah. to say things. And then, yeah,
0: but they all think they own Paris and that they need to, like, tell her what to do all the time. It's disgusting.
1: And then Cheryl Crow did something, but because I've been so busy, I don't really know exactly what happened here. Did you, either of you guys see what that was about?
4: Oh yeah, Cheryl Crowe just said that um, she wasn't very close to Michael Michael didn't know her name um, during the bat tour, and that she thought that his relationship with Jimmy Safechuk was weird mm. wasn't she married to Lance mm-hmm. Armstrong,
0: the cyclist the oh, the doping guy, <laughs> and
4: didn't notice
0: for decades that he was you know cheating by doping.
4: Mm-hmm. And she was cheating with um who was she was cheating with someone on the bad tour as well isn't that right Whoa okay Yeah,
1: there's a number of stories about her on the bad tour. There's that. There's the fact that <laughs> I think um Karen Fay said at one point that Michael couldn't stand singing with her because she had such terrible breath.
4: <laughs> <laughs> wasn't stage. that revealed on the Glenda tapes also when Michael said that um. Cheryl didn't have soul. I think that's what he said. Oh,
3: yeah. shade.
4: Ouch.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty uh, sure that the so. every concert Michael introduces everyone on stage
4: at the end. At the end, as well, when he repeatedly repeatedly shouts their name out like Cheryl, yeah.
0: Cheryl. Yeah. So Cheryl must have an album coming out and needs some attention. And she does. She does have an album coming up. <laughs> oh, what a coincidence. <laughs> there you go. Someone <laughs> exactly. needs attention.
1: Q, how do you feel about seeing 50 Cent now at this upcoming festival with Janet that we're both
0: going I to I ain't see? going to go and see 50 Cent. I'm not going to go waste my time. No way. I wasn't going to do that in the I first think place. I my drink break. Drink break. I'm not even going to arrive <laughs> until after all of that. <laughs> <laughs> I am not. No, I am not. Funny. Did we already talk about this on the show? Like, when did those tickets um, go on sale? I don't think we've revealed.
1: I don't think we've revealed we're going on the show. Okay, yet. so Janet Jackson
0: yeah. is touring uh, New Zealand and Australia. Um, I, I can't remember if New Zealand is before or after. I'm not sure. I know Perth, where I am, is the first of the Australian gigs, which sort of sucks because that means... Uh, you know, I won't have sort of any idea of how long the set list is or what to expect at all. Would have been good just to have a little bit of an idea. But Janet is headlining the R and B Friday tour uh, of Australia, and it has a different name in New Zealand. So this is the first time Janet's been back to Australia since her uh, like Number One Collection album a few quite a few years ago,
1: where she yeah the up close
0: and personal yeah that one which was cool. very like low key and small theater and didn't even sell out here jeans and t-shirt i think it was sponsored by just jeans like a local sort of jeans um store but yeah so janet is returning to australia which is very exciting it is at a festival which apparently is the thing now like we saw the jacksons earlier this year at a festival i saw kylie at a festival this year so i'm probably going to con- yeah i'm probably going to continue my um my tradition of just Going for the headline act, so getting there late. I did end up spending a ridiculous amount of money on tickets, $200 to get the platinum standing tickets so that I hopefully can just push up and get a decent view from the standing area in front of the stage. But that is exciting news. But then you gave me a heart attack this morning, Jamin, with a panicked
1: mm, panicked a phone
0: call. Would you like to share what your panicked phone call was about? <laughs>
1: Yeah, so Team Janet decided to post an official Facebook graphic showing, like, a 30th anniversary promo of um, Rhythm Nation with all these Australia dates. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, we've just spent over 200 bucks on tickets each, and now she's doing a solo tour of Australia, and... I was just like, this sucks. I'm going to have to sell these stupid R&B Fridays tickets because I want to go to the thing. And then you're like, just check the dates, Jamin. And I checked the dates and it turns out they are the R&B Friday dates. It's just that Team Janet decided to market them completely differently without mentioning the festival name. So had a heart attack, called you, and then all
0: was well. That has happened a lot where you've called me in a panic and I'm like, let's just chillax. Let's just chill a bit and have a look at it before we freak it. Because I was like, if that's true, that's fucked because I don't want to go to a festival when I could have just gone to a solo Janet show. But um, crisis averted. But the good news is, Jamin, and I thought about this after you called, the good news is that actually does give us an idea of what to expect for her set.
1: Yeah, I guess it'll be heavy on the old Rhythm Nation tracks, which I don't have a
0: problem with. I do with. not have a problem with that at all. Um, I think, you know, I think that's good. It's it's us. We're able to participate in celebrating Rhythm Nation, which will be pretty cool. Yeah. And no doubt she will do some of her other, like, R&B hits, like her big stuff, and hopefully a couple bits of, um, you know, Unbreakable as well. But, yeah, I thought, well, you know what? That's cool. I get to help celebrate, you know, the first... Jackson's cassette that I ever had, which was Rhythm Nation, you know, in a way, Janet was definitely my gateway Jackson. So, damn, that makes me feel old.
1: Yeah, well, I just, as long as she hits me with some knowledge, <laughs> <that'll
0: be fine. laughs> Yeah, bring on the knowledge. <laughs> I've got a little follow-up thing from my friend Machiel Jansson in the Netherlands. Remember I spoke about the Latoya Handprints, I think they were, were they handprints or footprints? I can't remember on the um the Walk of Fame that used to be in Rotterdam, and how I said last time we were there it was gone, they'd moved it, and where was it? And well, Mahil reached out and told me that where they have moved it to is over near the Ahoy area of Rotterdam, where there's like a big venue which I'll talk about in a minute because that's also very exciting news not Michael related but I'm going to talk about it anyway you have a guess what it is. Eurovision. yes oh my god <laughs> um how did, I how guess? did you guess <laughs> so they've moved the walk of fame over to that area of town but the tiles of Latoya and I didn't even know there was a 3T one did not make it they're not part of the new way. Yeah, they're not part of no. the Walk of Fame. No. So. What? Um, Who do I complain yeah, to? Yeah, exactly. Well. But you will be happy because Jackie Chan is part of it. Yeah, yeah. He- Jackie Chan's a legend. I love Rush Hour. Yeah. we well, done a bit more than Rush Hour, he's done lots of things. <laughs> like- <laughs> I know. <laughs> <But, laughs> I, I know. Drunken Master. Yeah. Yeah. So sad news there. Don't know where it is. He has um reached out to ask where those tiles have gone. The ones that didn't make it. Um hasn't really got a response yet. Um Ugh. But yeah, there's an update. Don't go looking for LaToya and three T's tile in Rotterdam at the Walk of Fame because they're not there. But congratulations to Rotterdam. I'm very, very happy for all of you that you won the bidding to host uh, in Rotterdam Eurovision 2020 at the Ahoy. Um, I have about a 2% chance of attending because we already have a trip planned for November next year in 2020 to visit our family and sort of celebrate 10 year wedding anniversary which happens in March but we're going to go back in November because it'll be cool and we like traveling where it's cold and might get to see Christmas markets and all that awesome stuff that Europe does. So I can't really change our trip to May which won't be good for, you know, hotels and stuff with Eurovision anyway, but who knows? Who knows? There's a, I'm not saying that I definitely can't go because there's a two percent chance I could somehow fly a magic carpet to Rotterdam for Eurovision 2020 because it would be one of the easiest eurovisions for me to attend I think in February jamin you should go to Australia decides in the Gold Coast Eurovision Australia decides is in the Gold Coast again
1: yeah I'll, uh, I'll keep I'll keep that one in mind
0: you will not <laughs> <laughs>
1: I don't have a problem with Eurovision. I think it's fine. I think it's When was the movies. last
0: one you watched? I don't know. I just um
1: I I don't really watch it. Like I think I think I've watched the one before last year, some of those performances with my family mm-hmm. from memory when I went to visit my mum and dad we watched
0: it. But um
1: yeah, it's not it's not something I just like look forward to.
0: Okay. We are or way off married. track. Wow. Not micro related. We got some Michael news to get into. Shall we do it, gents? Let's go.
4: Yes, sir.
0: All right. So first up, there's an iconic Michael Jackson photograph. It will be featured in an upcoming exhibition uh, by the Smithsonian. The exhibition is called Men of Change, Strength, Victory, and Truth. The show will tour through 10 museums around North America from August this year up until 2022. So that is pretty cool. Wow. Wow. That is really cool. Did you guys have a look at the photo, which they will be featuring of Michael? Mm, Stunning. Bad tour awesomeness.
1: Yeah, I think it's amazing. Do we know who took the photo? Did you say that just before? I did
0: not say that because I cannot remember.
1: Because when I go to the website, it's not in English. It's in um, Spanish. So I can't see who took the photo, but it it might be a Harrison Funk photo. There's a good chance, actually. Yeah, yeah, definitely. He took some of the best photos on that tour. But uh, you know what? This is great. This is the sort of news we need after leaving Neverland. You know, Michael's you know art representing Michael and things to do with his performances. You know, being exposed to the public again. It's fantastic.
0: Danny, is the Bad Tour one of your, uh, your favorites?
4: Yes and no. I like the Bad Tour a lot because I think that's when Michael had the best vocals. stuff like that. Obviously, it was also one of his most energetic. But um, I thought that the later tours, the dance moves were a lot more polished. And a lot of more of my favorite routines came from the later tours. Because even Billie Jean and Smooth Criminal, in my opinion, um, from the Bad Tour, was a little bit um, amateur compared to, uh, I guess not amateur is not the word, but not as polished as it was in the later tours. They were more basic. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, he still was—he was holding a mic for Smooth Criminal uh, during Bad. So I really liked the Smooth Criminal when it came to the history tour, though. When he got the girls involved as well, yeah, and it was like a was full crazy production play. Exactly, and I, I'm sure for this is it. It would have been. It would have been even better.
0: Yeah, because they'd filmed that whole extra scene, you know, with the whole yeah, um, from Gilda. Yeah, crazy. so he just kept like a, you know plusing. Plussing, 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 making it bigger and bigger and bigger. And in some ways, it, you know, detracted from his vocals because he sort of, you know, let that part go and concentrated more on the performance side of
4: it than the vocal side of it. Exactly. Because I guess at the end of the day, um, no matter how many theatrics will get with these performances, Michael Jackson will always be the center of attention. And that's, um, that's where the focus should be. And uh, the theatrics sometimes may even take away from some of that. So I guess the Bad Tour would be Michael at his most raw. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And some of the performances, especially Human Nature during the Bad Tour, is unmatched. The, the little robot dance he does with the glass, that's just, that's crazy. Yeah.
0: Well, continuing uh, the sort of artistic and and exhibition theme of news, the official uh, Michael Jackson Estate on the Wall uh, exhibition uh, from the National Portrait Gallery is now showing at the Emma Espu Museum of Modern Art in Helsinki, Finland. It started on the 21st of August and it will be uh, showing until... January 26, 2020, this exhibition, of course, consists of almost 100 artworks exploring how Michael Jackson has inspired some of the leading names in contemporary art. It has been on display, of course, in London, in France. I think prior to Finland, it was in Germany. So it is definitely continuing its world tour. So yeah, that's good news for
4: Finnish MJ fam, And I have
0: seen a few tweets from people that have already gone to see it. So that is
4: cool. I've seen some pictures of the exhibition and it's just amazing. I'm sure I'm going to go when it's uh, more near to my location. If not, I might just fly out one day and (laughs) go view it. It seems to be hitting some, um,
0: you know, notable modern art museums. So I'm probably sure that uh, somewhere in Canada they would host it sometime in the next
4: decade, maybe. Of course, or anywhere in North America. I'd probably just fly to and take a, take a look because the photos the photos that I have seen on Twitter are just amazing and incredible.
1: Yeah, I, I'm also really wanting to go. Hopefully it comes to Australia at some point. I'm doubtful, but <laughs> it would be great if it does. I'm particularly interested in the David Lachapelle stuff, which I know has come to Australia before. I think in New South Wales at some point, for another exhibition. But that, that work is uh, work I've always wanted to see and I hope one day we can get him on the show as well.
0: That would be very cool. Yeah, that, I want, think for me the highlight piece would be seeing the original Dangerous album cover artwork painting. That would oh, be yes. like my holy grail. And That
1: giant frame, yeah. The frame that got <laughs> designed,
0: yes.
2: I don't know, but you want to change every time you see. <laughs>
0: This is Al Scanlon, better known as Big Al. I was the manager of the amusement park at Neverland
5: for 15 years, and I want to welcome everybody to MJ Cast.
1: All right. Uh, also, recently, within the past month, there's been a absolutely bizarre press conference from Michael Jackson's former publicist, who worked for him in the mid to late 2000s. She's actually been on the MJ Cast before on our Charlie Thompson World Music Awards special, Ramon Bain. Uh, hosted a press conference that I watched a grand total of five minutes of because it was one of the cringiest things I've ever seen in my life and then turned it off. Um, But basically it started by her wearing the dodgiest looking MJ glove I've ever seen, uh, trying to weave in as many song titles as she could into uh, some kind of speech. I switched it off. I couldn't take it. Uh, I saw on Twitter some pretty scathing comments around it. The estate has since come out and panned her for doing that, saying she does not represent anything to do with Michael Jackson and what the hell is she doing. Um, I haven't watched the rest of it, but have either of you guys?
0: I'm going to be completely honest and say no, I haven't. I couldn't. I've seen... No, I haven't. I haven't watched any. But I did read Charles Thompson's live tweets of the whole thing. And... Oh, <laughs> please link me. Please link yeah, me. Yeah. You've missed out on a lot on social media in your busy time, man, because... I have. Yeah. He um, kept it real and no... <laughs> Danny, did you watch it?
4: Uh I didn't because okay. on the same day I actually was preparing to drop the Square One trailer. So oh, yeah, um, it's actually me. yes, that's right. You did.
0: And yeah, we shared that a hell of a lot more than we shared Raymond stuff.
4: <laughs> right. Well I didn't I didn't watch it, but I just I just I saw the poster of Michael Jackson in the background. Um the one with Michael in a suit that's clearly mm, photoshopped yep. on. That photoshopped and, picture uh, from
0: the two thousands. Oh <laughs>
4: The, did she intentionally
1: yeah. make this as cringy as possible?
4: Yep. Oh One of the broadest <laughs> shoulders I've ever seen on Michael Jackson. And he sh- she actually went to Staples and probably printed that. That's what I find the most funny.
0: <laughs> I know. Seriously. <laughs> so I guess, you know, I guess we should still let people know what Wiz talked about. So she announced that because she, she did a big, you know, Uh, statement in the press before like you know what is a a press release you know telling the press you know where she was going to be doing this big announcement and it was a big mystery announcement of call all of Pearl Jr's crazy theories and followers and cult members were like oh my god Michael's announcing he's coming back from the dead which was bizarre and hilarious and tragic and sad obviously that didn't happen because Michael is dead He's not alive. He's not living in Canada in Danny's basement. So it's not happening. Um, <laughs> sorry, but he's not. Um, oh, no. But she announced that because the press all thought, oh, she's going to expose Michael. You know, she was really close to him. She was, And she was there for a lot of years and was there during the trial up until after the trial. So, you know, Raymond was there for a lot, but the press all thought this was going to be, exactly what they wanted, more Leaving Neverland stuff. But it wasn't. She actually was announcing a Michael Jackson charity foundation. But she had not got any sort of permission and public support from the estate or even the Michael Jackson family. So maybe she should have done that first and then made it legitimate. And then it wouldn't have been as cringy and questionable and dodgy. And then find a real picture? Well, yeah, find a real picture. <laughs> How many people attended this press? Conference? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it's all on YouTube. We've got a link in the show notes if you would like to watch it. And there you go. But like listen folks, you know, we did our local charity lunch and we donated to Michael Jackson charities already. There are Michael Jackson charities out there, you know. Uh, throughout the year, you hear from our charity correspondent, Stephen, from Michael Jackson Fans for Charity, MJFFC. So how about we support the Michael Jackson charities that are out there now because they're doing amazing things, amazing things. And it's so easy. You could even just donate like a dollar a month to these charities and they, they've they got like 87 regular donors the September one is to help save an animal sanctuary in the UK that needs help. So, there's already Michael Jackson charities out there that you can support. So And we know with those ones where the money is going.
1: Absolutely. We had a Michael Trapson dual release recently. Yes. A 36-minute version of his Captain EO tribute film, yes. which is awesome and then also his uh, Pepsi ad remake. I've got to just admit straight up that I'm so sorry, but I haven't watched the whole EO thing. I've watched half of it and uh, I will be finishing it. And it is, wow, the production value on that thing. He's just taken it so to the next level. It's not even funny. How's the guy getting the money to do this? It looks incredible.
4: Amazing quality, high production value. And um, he's keeping MJ's creativity alive. You know, you expand him on that. That's what I feel that someone could have the most success in. Because as good of an impersonator as you are, you would never be able to do what Michael did. But what Michael Trapson does is he's incorporating his own creativity into uh, Michael's art. And I think that's very admirable. And um, he's keeping the legacy alive that way for a whole new generation.
0: So, maybe some people out there don't really know who Michael Trapson is. who would like to maybe just let our listeners know a little bit you know what does he do? what is his tribute to Michael?
4: I know he's a YouTube personality,
1: yeah, so exactly, so Michael Trapson pretty much is a YouTube personality, uh, but he he doesn't he's not a straight up impersonator at all he he sort of dresses up like Michael sort of mainly from thriller era which yeah he looks awesome as Michael you know putting on MJ costumes and stuff like that but he does a lot of videos not not like recreating michael's videos in a modern way but more his own music videos with his own music he's like a, a you know kind of like a mumble rapper So, he does like a lot of rapping and singing and uh, his own music, but then incorporates visuals from Michael's videos in his own sort of way with just different costuming. And a lot of it's just hilarious. A lot of it's tongue in cheek and funny and
0: like satire stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's only been one misstep. I've pretty much watched nearly every Michael Trapson thing. And the only thing I didn't like was, it was actually before Leaving Neverland came out, but he did like a video where he- Was it? it? Yeah, he was like, he was Michael Jackson in a drain, sort of like tempting children with candy. And I was like, dude, that was not tasteful. But that was before Leaving Neverland and I'm sure he wouldn't do that now. Um, That was the only misstep. Everything else is really, really great and entertaining.
0: But again, that was satire. Yeah. Yeah, but
1: you know. Taking into account Michael's history, it's like <laughs> I, I don't think it was wise to go there.
4: Yeah, I think he apologized for it
0: as well. So yeah, he's like a—he's like a trap rapper. I don't know if that's how you say it. I'm a white boy in Australia. <laughs> I don't know things like that. Yes, but- uh, yeah, tra- <laughs> trap trap yeah it's a kind of rap and Mm -hmm. mumble rap and yeah he he bases it on um like tracks michael tracks but does his own lyrics so the traps and eo tribute film is 36 minutes long it is a retro 80s synth bonanza and go and check it out it is so well done the New Vibration 2019 Pepsi remake is a remake he did and came out for Michael's birthday. And that is that Jackson's TV ad they did for Pepsi where there's the little kids drinking and dancing and dresses Michael and the Jackson brothers in the street. And then the real Jacksons come and they moonwalk and bump into each other. And it's really cool. It's really cool. So good. So go and check I showed
1: that in a uni presentation once. Did you? Yeah, yeah. Back when I was at university, I had to do a... I think I did a, a speech on some kind of... Something on marketing or something like that. And I incorporated that video into my, the little lecture I gave to my tutorial group. And they loved it. A lot of them had never seen it before. So.
0: The golden age of advertising, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I wonder if it's
1: filmed. Actually, I'm just watching it again now. And I'm I'm wondering if it's filmed at the same location that the original was.
0: Sure, because I think he lives in Philadelphia. I could be wrong. Hmm.
1: I'm going to watch them side by side and see, because it does look very similar.
0: Yeah, we're going to try and get Michael Trapson on the show before the year's out. We've uh, been talking to him in the background. We have an update on Joe Vogel's book, The Man in the Music. It has been updated, revised, and expanded, and this new edition of Man in the Music has now been released and is available for purchase. We did ask him to remind us a few of the changes that are included in the book, and he replied on Twitter with, there's a lot of new content. How MJ came up with the Thriller Song concept, not Temperton. How the percussion on Will You Be There was made by hitting a piano bench with a bat. New info on the creative tensions with Quincy. Tons of new stuff on BAD based on session calendars and notes. And there's also, we've noticed the uh, Casio, sort of that whole chapter has, on all those details has sort of been taken out of the book. The book has been re-released and published with Vintage Anchor Books. And in our show notes, we have links to purchase Or there is also a link to the book depository where you can order the book with free shipping worldwide. I have to say I'm pretty impressed that in this post-Leaving Neverland world that he's been able to get this out and published. So hats off because that's a very big accomplishment.
1: Mm -hmm. absolutely we hear all the time from authors about how hard it is to get books out there about michael jackson so for him to do this after the controversy of leaving neverland is phenomenal i also would like to take my hat off to joe for doing the right thing and correcting uh, his original publication um, by excluding the casio tracks uh, as legitimate michael jackson songs there's the info has been removed about them now from the new book when we interviewed him Um, I think it was last season, he told us that he definitely wanted to do that. And hats off to Joe for for doing the right thing and uh, only including legitimate Michael Jackson songs in this book about his legacy.
0: Have you
4: read uh, the original version of this book, Danny? I have not, actually. The only time that I've heard of um, Joe before this was um, his Forbes article. So uh, I definitely have a lot of catching up to do in that department.
0: That was a very good article, actually. That got a lot of attention, which was really good.
1: Yeah, it's a good book, Danny. Highly recommended. It. It's you know probably I would say within the top three or four books on Michael's artistry. Wow, um, well worth reading. If it, it's it's good, like if you want an overall mm-hmm. view of Michael's whole sort of solo recording career, it's not like a. Books like Damien Shields does kind of deep dive into certain projects. This is more like start to finish a chapter per album type thing, but um, very,
4: very good stuff. Definitely be checking that out.
0: Yeah, so the links are in the show notes to all those that haven't already got a copy. This is a great chance to get the revised and expanded edition of this book with new cover art. And um, yeah, links are in the show notes.
1: This week, we also got the privilege of hearing a new song by a Jackson family member. This is the second T in 3T to come out with solo music this year. Earlier in the year, we heard new stuff from Terrell Jackson's Crazy Love album. And now we've got uh, new music coming out from TJ Jackson. And TJ's new music, I just absolutely love it. It's uh, the song, the lead single from the new uh, album is called Insomnia. It came out this week. I've been listening to it all morning. Just really loving it.
0: I listened to it yesterday. It came out yesterday. It's across uh, all streaming services. So check it out. It's on Apple Music and Spotify. Search for TJ Jackson or head to our show notes. We have a few links that will take you directly there as well. It is a smooth song. It really reminded me of the sort of the smooth, sexy Janet tunes that she puts on the albums, like a bit. Usher, like smooth R&B, Usher style.
4: It suits his voice very well. I just thought that it was very smooth. I thought that his voice aged beautifully and that it's going to be listening to it a lot. <laughs> I listened to it after you guys told me about it. I've been meaning to listen to it for a while. But uh, when I saw the notes for the show, that's when I listened to it a couple of times and I'm like pretty impressed. Good production too. Good production. Exactly.
1: Very good production and his, his falsetto is beautiful. He's got a really good singing voice, very classy song.
0: A sexy song from a sexy man.
4: <laughs> good for the nephews all doing their um their own route and all succeeding. Yeah absolutely, yeah. Like with um Taril and TJ
0: doing their solo music stuff, Taj doing his documentary stuff with the uh his project that he's working on which fans really need to go and support, for God's sake. If you haven't, please do. It was really good that so many fans contributed on Michael's birthday. That was so impressive that there was like a little movement started across um, social media where fans would donate on Michael's birthday to Taj's documentary and support that because uh, he really needs it. So, yeah, look at all the guys. They're doing well.
1: On that note, I don't know whether this was in one of Taj's updates or just, you know, incidental information, but I do recall him saying at some point that they they have raised enough money to do, like, a feature film-length thing now, but they certainly haven't raised enough money to do their original vision yet of the docuseries. So if you want a docuseries on the allegations... That we need to keep giving money because that's the thing now. You go to Netflix, you watch HBO, Amazon Prime. You know, it's all docu-series. You know, movies are great, but the, this story is something that is multifaceted and needs multiple episodes. So the mission is not over. We need to, you know, keep finding creative ways to support Taj.
0: Because Taj doesn't want to just tell one story. Like, that is a documentary when it is a one-story story Told He wants to cover a lot over the years of different things. So Misconceptions.
1: I've heard him, he said he wants to go into the vitiligo stuff and like not just, you know, he wants to tell the whole story of Michael Jackson and, and, you know, address all the misconceptions.
0: Whatever he releases comes out and fans are complaining. Oh, well, you know, it doesn't talk about this, it doesn't talk about that, and why isn't he not talking about, it's like, well, that's your own fault for not supporting it. Because he can't do this on his own. This is a massive project. It is not free to put something like this together. So, yeah. Yeah. If you haven't donated, you've got no right to complain at the end.
1: Yeah, I mean, you'll be able to tell us soon, Danny. Is it is it uh, an easy thing to put together a movie and uh, just put it out? <laughs> of course not. Yeah,
4: I was, talk- I was talking to Taj about it. It's a, I thought I don't think he should rush it. First of all, I think um, he should take his time. Nothing is promised for the release date. Fans should expect it. Um, sometime next year, but definitely no guarantees. And, um, you know, even working just on the 93 case, I need about an hour and like 15 just to get that through. So uh, to get everything, if you you guys want something in major detail, you know, it's got to be a bit longer than that. And, um, you know, Taj has told me that, um, I've talked to Taj a lot about it and he's very passionate about it. He has a clear vision of what he wants to do with it. So I'm very excited to see what he puts together. Well, after this music break, we're going to hit
0: our main discussion topic with Danny Wu, which will be about Chase the Truth, the lies of leaving Neverland, and Danny's upcoming film Square One. So this track we're going to play is a Groove Funkle remix. It is lovely one by the Jacksons. I'm Andy Healy, author of the MJ 101 series, and you're listening to The MJ Cast.
1: Nothing like a bit of Jacksons and Funkle. Great combination, great song. One of my favorite Jacksons tracks for sure. Uh, we are going to talk all about now our main discussion topic. There's been two documentaries that have come out around Leaving Neverland within the last month or so, and then of course we're going to talk to Danny Wu, who's going to uh, discuss his documentary, which is premiering in LA uh, in just uh, a couple of weeks time. So let's start with probably the one that's the most high profile of of the two that came out recently. And I, I definitely don't think it deserves to be the most high profile one, but nonetheless it is. It's on iTunes now. It's on, you know, it's on, you know, whatever the YouTube thing is you have to pay for to be able to watch it, their streaming service. But it's called Chase the Truth. Mike Small comes in it, the umbrella man guy's in it. And uh yeah, I watched it when it came out um the morning it came out and the first thing that struck me about it to be perfectly honest was it was not a very good looking documentary in my opinion. This whoever w- edited this documentary just went like trigger happy on the old digital grading effects. It looks like to me a 13 year old has run it through 20 different Instagram filters because every bit of Michael Jackson footage looks just, 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 oh my God. That detracted for me from the actual thing.
0: What's actually in the documentary? What are they talking about?
1: Well, they're debunking Leaving Neverland and they're, um, which, you know, so similar to The Lies of Leaving Neverland, but then there's also Mark Lester and his daughter and there's various people telling their own you know, their own experiences with Michael Jackson, I guess. And those experiences, to be honest, from some people are fairly limited, but it it was okay. It was fairly surface level. I actually thought it does certainly doesn't deep dive into the contradictions as much as the lies of leaving Neverland does. But you know what? Even though it's really flawed in a lot of different ways, it's in places that people are going to see. I was browsing the iTunes library the other day on my apple tv and it was like when you go to the documentary section it was charting in like it was like number eight in the top 10 docos so at least it's good news and it's debunking and it's out there doing well i suppose that's the good side of it
0: danny have you had a chance to see this one
4: yes i have i watched it the day it was released i think it came because lies of leaving neverland was a little bit of a surprise yeah. Uh, that came out on the same day. Huge but, surprise. Uh, huge surprise. But I thought that um, with Chase the Truth, uh some positive first, I thought that Mike Smallcomb did a great job breaking down the cases very fundamentally. For someone who don't know much about the cases, this at least starts a conversation. And I thought that he did a good job breaking down Wade's appeals in the Leaving Neverland case. And um, I can't speak too much for how credible... The other two are, um, but um, I thought it did a pretty good fundamental job of covering the cases. Someone pointed this out to me. Um, they, they were saying that, I think this was my friend Edwin, but he said, he, he pointed out that a lot of the cutscenes in the documentary didn't really make sense. You know, there were a lot of opportunities for better videos that he could have inserted. But then he just chose, for example, when he inserted Janet Jackson's um, defense of Michael Jackson, it was kind of random a lot of times it just felt that they were trying to insert as many Jackson family clips in there as possible at places that didn't really make sense. That kind of took away a little bit of it for me, but overall I thought that Chase the Truth and Lies of Leaving Neverland are almost like a pretty good complement to each other because on one side you get the basic understanding of the cases and in the Lies of Leaving Neverland that's where you kind of see the true um, contradictions.
0: I think that the Chase the Truth documentary. It's not going to do any negative damage in correcting, you know, and and also humanizing Michael. I think we've maybe forgot to say that, you know, you do have to pay to watch this documentary. It isn't out there for free, which is fine because you know not everything in the world is free. You pay for books, and you know you pay for your Netflix and stuff like that. So it is a paid product which is, you know, the way the the industry is and people make these things and they need to get paid. So it is got a sort of a limited, in that regard, avenue for people to access it. It's not just like a YouTube documentary where you can click on it for free. I think there is the element of Lester and Matt Fitties being so prominently featured in this. You know, Lester's been in, Press um, after Michael died, you know, basically saying that he gave sperm donations for Michael Jackson's children and that some of the kids are probably his, and just interviews like that, which are just bizarre. He seems to really like when there's Michael in the news, he likes to hop up in the press and pop his head above the sand and, you know, try and get some attention. And then Matt Fitties, you know, worked for Michael as a bodyguard in a very limited capacity, but has made a lot of stories. I guess the analogy I used that even Charles Thompson said, actually, that's a decent analogy, is for me personally, and that's fine if you don't agree or whatever, and yes, we've had a huge email from Matt Fitties personally um, saying a lot of stuff. But anyway, for me personally, Matt Fitties seems to be the positive version of Jacob Shagin.
4: Oh, I can see that.
0: Yeah, so Jacob Shagin's come out with a lot of crazy, insane stories that are like either forged and faked, you know, documents and pictures and just ridiculous stories that are not true at all. And towards this year, they've turned negative very negative which completely contradict all his previous years of stories and his own books that he wrote and things like that fiddies is like the positive version of that and but still you really need to like look at who he is and the stuff that he said in the past and has done and what can actually be verified so you need to take those two with a really a big grain of salt but Mike Smallcomb is definitely the highlight of this film, of the Chase of the Truth film, and he really legitimizes a lot of things and presents it in a really easily understandable way and has done a lot of positive stuff in the aftermath of Leaving Neverland. So, it's yeah, the editing is very not well done, I don't think. Like, yeah, things are just all over the place, I'd love just to take the Mike Smallcomb clips out. Like, the other two were there, I guess, to humanise Michael, and I guess that's a good thing. But, yeah. The other one, that was a surprise. That really came out of left field. Like, no one had heard of this. I don't think anyone knows who put it together, really. No one was talking about the making of it, the lies of leaving Neverland, That just came out of the blue. The same day, which I'm sure was not intentional. I don't think they really did it the same day as Chase the Truth to help sink Chase the Truth. Because, like you said, it is charting. You know, it's getting quite good viewing numbers for Chase the Truth. But the lies of Leaving Neverland, that that was getting press. That made a few waves. So, Danny, do you want to talk about lies of Leaving Neverland first?
4: Yeah, sure. Uh, The Lies of Leaving Neverland was a documentary. It's about 30 minutes long, uh, for those of you guys who don't know. It goes over the case in uh, detail and talks about the contradictions. And it's narrated by a very professional voice, so you know it's a very professional production quality. And uh, what is special about Lies of Leaving Neverland, compared to the other documentaries is that it includes deposition footage from Wade Robson and Joy Robson. We know about the depositions, obviously. We could see the inconsistencies in the words. But for the first time, you could see their facial expressions, Wade's facial expressions making these lies, um, all smirking and stuff like that. So that was a very huge reveal.
1: Yes, I agree with everything you've just said, Denny. It was shocking to see Wade's face making these claims back in 2017. It was it was just, for me, this was the better of the two documentaries by far. I watched it again this morning. I've actually seen it twice. And like you said about the narration, that's probably a highlight for me. The narrator, the guy that narrates it, I don't know his name, but I've heard him do a lot of stuff on the History Channel. He's a really good documentary narrator. And uh, I'd love to know his name. If anybody knows it, please, you know, tweet us at the MJ cast or, you know, let me know who it is because that guy's awesome. And it obviously doesn't go really into the other allegations like uh, Chandler or Arviso at all. It focuses on just purely debunking Jimmy Savchuk and Wade Robson's claims in the film Leaving Neverland. So I do like the fact that it's such a focused piece. It goes through it sort of lie by lie, actually, uh, and just pulls it apart. It's, re- it's well edited. It uh, has lots of source footage as well of Michael during his life. It-, it pulls a lot of interviews that have been done within the last year about Leaving Neverland from different different places there's a lot I gotta say there's a lot of Charlie in there which is fantastic I don't know if they asked him about that but he Charlie is like he speaks nearly as much as the narrator no he
0: he didn't know about it he was as surprised as yeah us
1: (laughs) you know what that's a good thing I guess because he's so good in it and there's the Liam McEwen stuff in there there's a lot of is in there it's really good it doesn't feel fan made at all it feels like a high quality edit i have no idea whether this is being shown on tv like and then the the only little tiny criticism i have of it is i just wish the brandy stuff was in there because i, I think a really important piece of the puzzle is not only showing how many provable lies there are in the documentary but i feel that it's important to show who Wade actually is as a real character himself, that he is the um, abuser. He's claiming Michael's the abuser, but he's actually the one that, you know, was dating Michael's niece and cheated on her and, He is the the abusive one. And I I wish that story was in there as well. But hopefully Taj covers that in his
4: documentary. Exactly. I just want to add that I thought the same for both Chase the Truth and Lies of Leaving Neverland. I understand for Chase the Truth, Mike Smallcomb is the one who broke the Grand Canyon story. So um, that obviously has to uh, take precedence. But for Lies of Leaving Neverland, I thought that the Brandy Jackson was just a clear miss because... That part is so important because in Leaving Neverland, Wade Robson says himself that Michael Jackson kept him away from girls and made him hate women. So I thought that since there's been so many inconsistencies that has come out since, people have been forgetting about some of the most recent and basic ones. One is the Brandy Jackson stuff and the other is um, James Safechuck talking about being abused at the Grammys in L.A. when it was in New York. Definitely agree with
0: the brandy story missing being a big miss. I think that was a, a very missed opportunity and bizarre that that was sort of left out.
1: Yeah. What did you think of Liza leaving Neverland?
0: Blown away. I was like, wow, what am I watching? Where has this come from? This doesn't seem like a fan made thing. It was. Firstly, the, the voiceover is like a you know, a hired professional. Secondly, where did this footage come from of Wade and Joy's deposition videos from where we've had yeah, like we've had the the script of it in from court documents, but these videos had never been leaked or seen before. So where did they come from and how did they get in this? And the editing of it was really quite well done. Like it was sort of like hard copy, like here's the here's the claims and now mm. we're going to expose this and here's these claims and this is the reality and let's expose this by showing these. So it was like really well put together, but instead of, you know, trying to bury Michael, it was actually, you know, proving the inconsistencies and the lies that were included in the, the film, the Dan Reed film. So I was sort of like, what the heck is this? Where has this even come from? It was quite impressive. It's on YouTube. And you can also go to the uh, website of it and download it, which I thought was very interesting as well, because I think whoever put it out, they made the download available so that if it did get taken off YouTube, people could re-upload it. And that's why there is so many re-uploads of it, because the download link is on the website, so I thought that was also a very interesting piece of the puzzle of like, what what is this? So there is fan conjecture and speculation that perhaps maybe the estate have commissioned this and put it together. They've leaked the footage of Joy and Wade's deposition videos and they've just put it out. So that's... A possibility, maybe? I don't know what you guys think about that.
1: Um, I'd say it's... I mean, that footage had to come from somewhere and the estate certainly would have access to it.
0: And I think it would look
1: really... In some ways, I think it would actually look pretty bad if the estate very publicly and officially did a documentary like this because it would just look like, well, of course it's going to be pro-Michael Jackson, it's the estate. So for them to sort of put it out really almost like a leak it would make sense to do that but i'm reluctant to say it's likely based on their track record they don't have the best track record for actually making high quality things regarding michael so i'm not i'm not really sure maybe it could also be just like somebody with cash <laughs> who's you know there are some fans out there that that you know do do have money and are and are willing to put that money towards something high quality so it's it's possible that a few fans just got together and privately hired that narrator and edited it together and put it up that's also possible and then somehow got that footage I don't know
0: if that was the case I like we're in so many group chats and in contact with so many of those people that are doing uncovering investigation and exposing stuff and able to get documents and get them online we're in contact with All of those fans, and none of them have claimed that they've had any involvement in
4: it. If there's a gun to my head, I'll probably um, guess the former, Um, but it's all speculation.
0: Yeah, which if, if they did do that, I think that is very clever because it's got a lot of attention, yeah, and it was very well done. So if they did do it, hats off, thank you for finally doing something. You know, they have said, oh, we can't (laughs) talk about all the stuff that we're doing, you know, there's Mm -hmm. things happening in the background that we can't talk about. Maybe this was one of those things.
4: I think around the same time, the estate didn't really do anything for Michael Jackson Off the Wall 40, Um, so maybe they were working on something else, hint, hint. (laughs)
1: Um, I've had a few really good interactions with people on the ground, students in my school who have just come up to me and been like, hey, sir, let's talk about the Michael Jackson thing. It actually happened a few days ago. And I was like, oh, do we have to? Like, (laughs) I'm kind of busy because most of the time when they raise that, it's like just, you know, (laughs) them uh, agreeing with leaving Neverland or that's been my experience early on. This was not the case in the last week. I had kids. I had this group of kids come up to me, and I didn't even have to say anything. They told me all the lies in the thing. They told me about the train station and the Grand Canyon. I was completely floored. I was like, "Whoa! How do you guys know all about this stuff?" And they were like, "Oh, uh, YouTube." So, so
0: the message is getting out there.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Getting out there so much that I think the latest streaming version of Leaving Neverland has removed all of references to the train station. Wow. Because allegedly for time constraints. Right. Yeah. Really? What streaming services have time constraints? Well, Danny, you are here to tell us and educate us and help us get the word out about your film, Square One. You dropped the trailer and wow, impressive stuff. Can you tell us, firstly, how it came about? How did you come up with this concept? What is the concept? And how did you start doing this documentary, Square One?
4: Right. Uh, so, originally, what happened was whenever I see Michael Jackson debates on YouTube, or Twitter, whatever, Uh, Whenever people point out inconsistencies, what the response always seemed to be is, "Then why did he pay $20 million? Why did he, why did Jordan Chandler describe Michael Jackson's genitals correctly? You know, it always went back to the first case because that's, truthfully, that's the case that we know the least about. So uh, what I recall doing was, there's a video of Tom Mesereau online. And um, what Tom Mesereau said was that in 2005, What would have happened if Jordan Chandler testified was that they had friends of Jordan Chandler who lined up ready to testify that Jordan Chandler told them the opposite, right? So uh, that's a pretty famous video that's out there. And people usually just took that video at face value. Uh, But what I wanted to do was I thought it'd be really interesting if I could just find one of these friends, uh, find one of these people who was close to Jordan Chandler. So what I did was I asked around, I searched around and I got a name and I cross referenced that name on the witness list in 2005. And um, I started searching up this person and I realized that she was following me on Twitter. That was very surprising to me. And I just said, screw it. You know, I asked Tosh Jackson, why wouldn't I ask her? So I sent her a DM just telling her who I am, asking her if she's comfortable to just tell me the situation. And she actually replied pretty fast. And she, uh, she said that she knows me from my interview with Brandy and Tosh Jackson. She thought it was very professional. She told me her story, which um, basically floored me. Um, she has never told her story publicly. That was basically just kind of getting inside information. And immediately afterwards, I asked her if she was interested in doing an interview with me. And she graciously uh, denied at first because uh, she has to kind of remain low profile for her work. So she didn't really she didn't give me a concrete answer, but she just kind of gave me a uh, I'll, I'll let you know later. You know, I'll let you know later in the month. But as the, as the months went on, we kind of just, I just kind of checked back on her every once, uh, once in a while. And uh, she finally, um, she finally agreed. Uh, I talked her into doing a video interview with me. So what happened was I flew to New York and uh, we did an interview. And it was kind of just like a me and her interview. Uh, I sat across the table from her and we just, I just asked her questions and she answered it. So with that footage, I went home and uh, I looked it over and I just I just hated it because I hated it because, first of all, the camera didn't see what I saw, the way uh, the story was being told. I just thought that it didn't feel right also for me to be in the video. I thought that this is a time for her to tell her story. The idea started brewing in my mind. I thought that what if we could make a documentary that is centered around uh, this witness, uh, but to also give complete context of the 93 case. Because at that time, I thought about it. If I just dropped this interview, if I released this interview, and it's just me and her talking about uh, the allegations, uh, f- of course, for MJ fans, that would be a huge revelation. It would be huge for the community. But at the same time, if you are a neutral, if you're someone who's not familiar with the case, and you watch this interview, you're not going to get much from it. It's, it's just hearsay in their opinion. So what I decided to do was um, gather people who were close to the case. So I basically, from that day forward, my focus was clear. It was going to be on a documentary that was centered around the 93 allegations. So I flew back to New York. Uh, for a second time and we shot the interview again but this time without me on camera i was kind of more behind the camera and um, she just told her story and after that i just uh, went to gather as many witnesses as i could uh, the second person that i hit up was geraldine hughes she's the legal secretary in 1993
0: geraldine wrote the book
4: redemption yes uh- Yes. Is that correct?
0: Yeah. So that was one of the very first books that came out sort of after allegations that were helping expose the uh, the scam, the, the extortion. Exactly. Scam. So that was one of the very
4: first. Yep. Yeah. From an outsider's perspective, also, if you have someone from uh, their legal team talking on camera about this, you know that's also pretty shocking. So I emailed Geraldine Hughes um, a couple times. Uh, she didn't also. She also didn't give me a concrete answer. So we actually found her phone number and I called her about three times before she agreed to do it. And um, went to L.A. to shoot the interview. And I thought that while I was there, one of the main controversy around Michael Jackson that I see a lot is that he fits the profile of a pedophile. And one of the main evidence that they have is the photo shoot with Taj Jackson, uh, the 3T photo shoot for the single cover Y. So I knew Taj would be down to also film a part with me as well. So after Geraldine Hughes, I went to um, film with Taj And uh, basically just it kept building from there. It just kept building and building. And that's um, how Square One came to be.
1: Exciting. This is, I cannot wait for this. So do you mainly focus the documentary around the 93 allegations or do you go into the Arviso and Robson stuff as well?
4: Very little about um, Robson and Safechuck. It does go into the Arvizos for a little bit. It's going to mainly focus on the Jordan Chandler allegations because to me, that is the foundation that all the other cases are built on. So if that one... Um, cre- well, it's taking it back to square exactly. one. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's that's That was the original title, yep. back to square one. Um, but it was a little bit too long for a uh, cover photo. So um, mm-hmm. me and my graphic designer decided to um, cut it down. So also what I decided was that I also needed to build a, a team to help me with this because there's no way I'm going to create... A documentary of this magnitude by myself. So uh, I first got a graphic designer and um, I got a investigative assistant. Her name is Shania, who I cannot give more credit to. Uh, I've assigned her readings almost on a daily basis around that time. I got her to read Victor Gutierrez's book, Michael Jackson Was My Lover in one day and then all that glitters the next day so uh, she has she had a <laughs> lot on her plate you put her to work I, I did put her to work so um, uh, <laughs> she's, she's been amazing in that and it's been very helpful and uh, yeah it's just it's been building and I'm so excited to release it <laughs> uh, I actually finished a film a while ago but um, at the very last second uh, I just it didn't feel right to me that I would be the one to talk about the case. You know, I was kind of giving myself the Mike Smallcomb role in the film to basically uh, talk through the allegations. And that's just not something that I wanted to do because uh, I wanted to remain more like a neutral observer, per se, someone that the audience can relate to if you're not a Michael Jackson fan. So what I did then was I emailed Charles Thompson to see if he's interested in participating in the project. And, uh, when he heard about some of the people involved, he was ecstatic and, um, he joined the team and, uh, he is kind of, he kind of plays a role of the narrator. He takes us through the timeline. I Mm -hmm. ask some, I asked some very specific questions and, uh, you know, it's almost a cheat code with Charles. (laughs) Um,
1: oh, well this is, this is so exciting and, and you're, um, premiering it. I, I heard in LA at, uh, the Chinese theater, which is (laughs) what a venue.
4: Yes. Uh, and there, uh, there was a there was another uh, documentary on YouTube called Leaving Neverland Take Two that um, the creator of that, yes, the creator American. of that video uh, YouTube video um, premiered at the Chinese theater through this festival called Indie Night Film Festival. So I kind of got in touch with him, asked him if he was worth it. He was um, telling me that it was. So I decided, why not? You know, this is more of a appreciation for all the cast that has been involved and all the fans who want to support um, September 28th.
1: Are there tickets still available?
4: Yes, there are tickets still available. I think a lot of people are deciding to buy at the door. I've gotten a lot of DMs because I guess the website is kind of hard to operate for some people. But what you do is you go to the website, IndieNightFilmFestival.com slash attend. And what you do is you click September 28th and then you just choose square one. And then from there, you, get it, you go to the checkout page. And, um, yeah, that's how you get the tickets. It'll be very exciting. Liam McEwen's going to be at the premiere. Taj Jackson's going to be at the premiere. John Ziegler is going to be at the premiere. So uh, a lot of familiar faces.
1: Wow, this is going to be phenomenal.
4: Yeah, pretty big YouTuber. Edwin's Generation, um, he has around 230,000 subscribers, I want to say, or 200,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's coming as well because he's going to be covering the MJ case. Some people that have contacted me that like to stay confidential are also coming to the premiere, so it's a very it's a very exciting time.
1: I really hope our listeners in LA decide to go to this. They really should because this is going to be not only a celebration of the truth and getting the truth out there, but also, you know, all of these fans really who have come together to participate in this documentary, whether it be Charlie or you know, whoever, you know, like, and, and professionals like John Ziegler and all of these people that have worked so hard over the last year to get the truth out there. This is a great way to, to acknowledge their work as well. I hope people rally together to go to this.
4: Exactly. And think. I think we're going for a dinner afterwards. So if you guys go to the premiere there's a likely chance you can get to eat with all those cool people the cool kids as well so <laughs> there's that <laughs> I do I do have um yeah. I get a couple of questions that I see a lot that I would like to also answer if you guys don't mind Of course please that's why you're here Uh one of the questions not a question really is um uh, this, is, this was a Reddit comment on the Michael Jackson subreddit that I saw was upvoted a lot. It was basically saying that, um, hey, I, Danny Wu has publicly stated that he has only seriously investigated the Michael Jackson case since February. So why are we taking him seriously? Um, I've been studying this case for 10 years and I don't feel comfortable making a documentary. Why should we trust him? And to that, um, I have to say that just because someone investigates it for 10 years and I've been investigating it for a few months doesn't mean that um, I'm smarter than you or I'm smarter than you because I can do it in a shorter amount of time. No, I can go through the readings very specifically specifically using uh your library as a resource because there have been fans putting in the work for over 10 years putting great resources together you know the Michael Jackson allegations.com turning the table on the chandler allegations.com these great resources that i can um then go and use and apply my own skill set to to create a documentary like that so uh ask people not to judge quickly um, until you see the documentary. And um, if you do have worries about it, um, don't worry. I'm sure everything will be covered by the time of the release. Another question that I get a lot, um, I think a lot of people send me DMs about this over, is that they say, hey, is there any concrete evidence uh, that your uh, witness has met Jordan Chandler? Because if there isn't, the haters will just laugh at it. You know, The haters will just laugh at your documentary. They won't care. And to that, I would just say the last thing that I have to worry about when I'm making a documentary is what the haters will think. right? So uh, I guarantee you when they're making Leaving Neverland, they're not thinking about, oh, but what will the fans think? Uh, so that's the last of my worries. And um, you have to realize when we're taking someone for their word, in this case, my witness, This is someone who has told a consistent story since 2005 and she was willing to go under oath to tell her story. That's not the case for many people in this allegation. (laughs) I guarantee you that. And uh, when you look at someone, for example, when you look at Adrienne McManus, uh, in theory, she should be a very credible witness. But why is she not a credible witness? Well, it's because we find out that she has a lot of credibility issues. We find out that she has told inconsistent stories, that she has sold her stories to tabloids, things of that nature. Well, with my witness, she's never done anything of that nature. She has told her story once to the person who interviewed her for uh, the 2005 trial and she basically been laying low ever since and she hasn't come out publicly to tell her story her story has been consistent until now we should be encouraging um, her to uh, you know we should have we should be celebrating this and this shouldn't be uh well, what the haters think you know because trust me when you watch that uh i had the same worries as everyone if there's a shadow of doubt in my mind of if she's telling the truth, I would not have included her, but it's because she is so credible and so believable and so honest that I've even decided to go to New York for that second trip to get her story again, uh, just so we can get the best video for the viewers. So those are just my two cents. Danny, can I just ask about this, uh, the female witness
0: that you went to New York and interviewed twice and um, just to clarify, she is
4: someone that went to college with Jordan? Uh, she is classmates with Jordan Chandler and they were acquaintances. When I first heard the Tom Mesriol video where he said that they would have Jordan's friends come in and testify that he told them nothing happened, in my head I thought that, well, you know, Jordan could have just been saying that because he felt ashamed. There's a many reasons that he could be lying, but... Uh, When you hear her story on October 5th, it's going to shed a whole new light on the allegations.
1: Oh man, I'm excited. So talk to us about what's going to happen beyond the premiere. So you're premiering it at Gorman's Chinese Theatre in LA later in September. And then what's happening after that? Is there going to be a a web release? Is it going to be on YouTube? How do we get our hands on it?
4: Right. So exactly one week after the uh, movie premiere, on September 28th. On October 5th, that is when the video is going to be released worldwide on YouTube. And it's going to be free for everyone to watch. It's going to be released at 12 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, So it's going to be pretty accessible for most people's time zones. And I think uh, there's a lot of people in the Twitter community already setting up um, hashtags. Um, So if we could get hashtag square1mj to trend on Twitter, that would be completely huge because the goal is to get as much media attention as possible for this. Um, I have a media list ready. I have a media list yeah. already to email out um, on October five. Um, if we could get just that traction on it, I think that would help our chances of it going to the mainstream media. Okay. So social media peeps, hashtag square1mj,
0: all spelt out, no numerals, Square One MJ. That is the hashtag for this film.
1: Danny, are you going on other YouTube MJ accounts to to try and get the word out as well?
4: Not right now, currently, but um, I think uh, Edwin's Generation, the YouTuber that's also coming, um, we're going to make a collab video on Michael Jackson for his channel as well. That's going to get some attention as well.
1: That's cool. You should hit up JD. <laughs> I'm sure <laughs> he's a big film guy. Awesome. He's uh, Yeah, He loves film. He loves MJ. I think it's uh, History in the Mix on YouTube. He'd be a good guy to talk to.
4: That's awesome. And um, obviously, we talked about the two documentaries. We also can't go on without giving credit to Liam McEwen's documentary, um, Neverland First Hand, which kind of paved the way for a lot of the documentaries to follow. Uh, His was the first to come out um, to really challenge the Neverland allegations in uh, mainstream media. And it's gotten great media attention at the time. You know, I think Vanity, a lot of the major news sites thought that it was the Jackson family <laughs> or Pitchell documentary, uh, which is kind of fun. Yeah, they did. Yeah. And uh, so without that, I think um, we wouldn't be seeing as many documentaries as we are seeing right now. So at the end of the day, we're all just showing the world that we are ready for a pro-Michael Jackson documentary. Uh, so by the time that Taj's documentary come along, it's going to be hopefully embraced by everyone. I've got a
0: a few more questions just about the way you're going to release it and how it's coming together. When you put it out on YouTube on October 5th, will you also have it available to download in case
4: it somehow gets taken off YouTube? What I have thought about is um, I'm also thinking of getting it to go on Amazon Prime to have a longer version um, to go into because on YouTube, it's very hard to, for example, get into the Gutierrez allegations too much because they're going to censor you. That's definitely a venue that I'm going to be looking for as well. So um, hopefully it could be viewed by everyone. Okay. Is there
0: like Vimeo? Is that like got different
4: standards for uploading uh, content? I'm not sure. I'll definitely look into every platform option that we have. Um, but I'm sure, that, I'm sure YouTube won't, yeah. won't take it down because um, I've posted a lot of MJ stuff before. And I know what they get triggered by and what they don't get triggered by. So, Do you think
0: that the production company for Leaving Neverland, Dan Reed, his sort of team, do you think they file complaints against certain content to get them restricted at all? Are you worried about that?
4: Uh, not at all, because um, I don't really have anything from Leaving Neverland, first of all. This is, again, about the 93 allegations with Jordan Chandler. And so um, I'm lucky in that sense because I'm only covering the first allegation. So by the end of it, leaving Neverland almost become an afterthought. It's like, of course, they're lying for money.
0: Yeah, because they've been lying from the very start. Exactly. Yeah. How are you, like, you know, you're flying around the US to interview people. You've got like a graphic designer. You've got a production assistant, your research assistant kind of, you've got a team behind this. So how are you financing this?
4: Uh, I got a team, but they're not getting paid. Uh, Well, the graphic (laughs) designer is, but uh, everything is out of my own pocket. Throughout my university career, I was working a full time job while going to university at the same time. So um, I do have that. And also, of course, I live with my parents, so I know that I always have a meal ready for me. So I don't have to uh, worry about that as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just been a great experience, honestly. So a great experience, but an expensive experience. Very, very expensive experience. But again, when I went to New York the second time, that's also when the Toronto Raptors won the NBA championship. So I actually uh, spent a couple days in Toronto, um, hanging out with my friends before I went to New York. So I can't say it was purely all just for uh, uh, the New York. That's called
1: working
0: smarter, not harder.
4: <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's exactly. it. Nice work. Get, get the
0: playtime in as well.
4: I basically told her that, hey, I'm going to come shoot it again. Let me know when you're free. Because I didn't want her to put her in the position of deciding that, right? Because the the first time we shot it, the camera angle was just horrendous. You know, I brought a cameraman with me to New York and he just he wasn't there for filming. He was basically there for his own interests So he kind of um, didn't put much effort into the filming. So we got a terrible angle of the both of us and uh, she knew about it. So uh, I just told her that, hey, I'll come to New York and we'll get a better angle this time. Okay. So you have had some challenges putting this together. Oh, yes. Especially with the, uh, I'm lucky that a lot of my, um, for example, Charles, Charles is great because he responds instantly. You know, uh, he sees a message and responds to it, but uh, a lot of people have a lot going on with their time. And uh, I wasn't planning on saying this, but also uh, when I was making this documentary, uh, my original thought was also to have a friend of Gavin Arviso as well. Uh, so it would have been the two of them, the two witnesses talking about their relationships with the accusers. And um, that was going to be it. But the Gavin Arviso friend, um, she got cold feet at the last second. Um, she agreed to everything. She agreed to the, the time. And then when I when I called her to confirm it, um, she blocked my number. Uh, she blocked the number from my area. So um, that didn't end up happening, which was also kind of a blessing in disguise, because um, I think the Arviso case really just speaks for itself. Yeah, that's like that's been to trial, it's been proven. <laughs> exactly. It almost it, yeah. it, if if I went that route, that would have almost undermined the Jordan Chandler story. So, I'm glad that this was what we came away with.
1: I'll be really honest, like I obviously 100% believe in Michael Jackson's innocence, but I also feel like especially during that period of time in the very early 90s, according to a lot of the witness testimony around the chandler situation i find it really difficult to defend michael's behavior at that time regarding the amount of time he spent with jordan you know at his house and very true all of the sleepovers in hotel rooms and in jordan's house for like weeks on end and and all of this stuff is corroborated by a range of witnesses like do you Mm -hmm. also in your documentary approach that side of it like you know, whether Michael was into some degree bringing this on himself or?
4: Yes. Um, well, I'm not going to always, I'm not one of those to pretend that Michael was a saint and everything he did was perfect. And, um, you know, he didn't bring some of this uh, upon himself. But obviously, with the Jordan Chandler, uh, the, the sleeping with Michael Jackson story, well, a lot of that is also not really as corroborated as um, people lead you to believe. Mm -hmm. For example, the 30 nights in a row, um, that is actually not possible because um, of the timeline difference. So Michael Jackson did spend 30 nights in Jordan Chandler's um, house, um, but it was not continuous. It was over a span of around three, four months. At the end of the day, all these things are irrelevant. You can't just say just because this guy is having sleepovers with children, that he's molesting them, right? Uh, So uh, that's more of the angle we're going with. Got it.
0: I have to say that is something I'm always impressed by when I watch your YouTube videos on this topic, which you've got a number of really well put together documentaries where you lay it out. You go, this is the corroborated evidence. These are the stories This side of the plate, this is the other side of the plate. You always really go in there and are really well prepared to balance it with this is what we have to deal with and this is the reality. You know, this doesn't look good, but then there's this. So I'm always really impressed with how you put that together in all of your work that I've seen on YouTube so far. So yeah, just wanted
4: to say that. Thank you very much about that A lot of the times you have to it, because as fans what we do is we we, we spill a lot of the uh, a lot of the same stuff over and over again without looking at what the other side's arguments are so what I do is I just go on you know I just go on MJ facts stuff like that I read their arguments you know find out uh, what's uh, credible about what they say and what's not credible about what they say. And then kind of just lay it out, and um, usually when you lay it out in an objective way, the evidence does tend to favor Michael Jackson.
1: Well, I cannot wait for Square One. Uh, unfortunately, there's no chance of me being able to come to L.A. to see this premiere, but I will be. <laughs> be with us. I will be there in spirit, and <laughs> I'll be on YouTube as soon as this thing comes out, like the second. I'm going to stay up. If it's midnight my time, I don't care. I'm staying up for this.
4: I can't wait. It's uh, 12 p.m. Pacific time. So that was six hours ago. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is early morning. It's okay. Voice.
1: I'm going to get up early yeah. for work and I'm going to watch this. How long does it go for? What's the runtime?
4: Uh, the runtime is, um, I'm still getting some of the graphics for it, but it's around an hour and 20. An hour and, an hour and 15. Nice, wow. nice. And
1: what about the yeah. music? Did you have to do much, like, is there a score in it or how are you doing with that?
4: Oh Yeah, there's a there's some, sc- that's, that's the most, <laughs> for any documentary, that's for any video uh, even, that's the most difficult part. Uh, because the last thing I want is to use some like song I found on YouTube and get and get a freaking a copyright strike at the last <laughs> minute, because uh, <laughs> that that just, to, just undermines all the work you put in. But um, I did um, I did get a um, uh, license at, um, at this website called Envato, and um, I just chose a lot of their scores, which um, are very fitting. Great. So that's another expense to you, isn't it? Yep. <laughs>
0: So can I ask, you know, you're putting it on YouTube after the film premiere, how come you are putting it out for free?
4: I want people to see the other side of the allegations, the arguments, because that is more important to me than anything else. This isn't my rule to profit, you know. Uh, this is more of like um, something that I put together for my resume in the future. You know, I want people to uh, think of me in the future as someone who did do this in their lifetime. That is more important to me than the monetary gains. And um, I want this to be viewed by as many people as possible. What I'll probably do, having decided on this, is um, maybe start a Patreon or something like that for the people who do want to contribute something. Then they could, but I I won't be asking for it um, uh, voluntarily. The other thing
1: you could do is maybe put it on like your website and then ask for a certain amount Mm -hmm. of money, but then say like, you know, fifty percent of it might go to me, but the other fifty percent will go to Taj, or you know what I mean, like give mm-hmm. that that sort of thing. But um, regardless, if there was a way to give yeah. you money, I definitely would do that.
4: <laughs> At the end of the day, it's not going to make much difference because the documentary is basically done now. So yeah. anything other than that is just going to be thanks. And uh, if you guys have the money, first, obviously, donate to Taj's documentary. And, um, you know, I'm not going to, if you insist on uh, giving something to my Patreon, I obviously won't deny, but um, that's definitely secondary. And um, if you guys can't contribute, that um, is completely okay.
0: Yeah. Wow. I'm actually like really impressed that you said that, that if you want to donate, you should donate to Taj's first because... There's not enough people
4: out there saying that. <laughs> I, I know how much work it uh, gets put into making a documentary film like this. You know, obviously, you guys just saw from my experience how much expenses they are just to get the most basic things. I know I saw I saw Taj's like documentary. I saw his um, balance sheet and everything like that, and it's just there's a lot more to putting together a documentary of that size than uh, a documentary like mine because all i really need is myself and my two cameras my lights my tripods but then from taj's side you know you're basically gonna need a whole production and um, taj has told me that everyone on his team he wants them to be a hundred percent pro mj uh, meaning that they have to believe that michael jackson is innocent which is uh, a very good idea because that's how you know that someone will give you your best work so um Uh, Yeah, it's um, it's been a, it's obviously an honor to be trusted by the fan community with this uh, responsibility, and to be accepted by the fans to uh, give this documentary out and to uh, have their respect, which um, I promise uh, I will do my best to deliver.
0: What are your long term plans? Like, is documentary making something that you had? wanted to do in the future as a career or like or is this just almost like a hobby but it's like a duty that you're doing
4: for uh, Michael? I was always planning to go to film school after I graduated Ah, university so this was this actually did fit in perfectly yes so that's why like the monetary gains for me wasn't that big of a deal this is also almost just for like just getting my name out there in filmmaking and um, I definitely do plan on making more documentaries I think I told this story before, but one of the main reasons that I believe Michael Jackson and believe that it's possible for someone to have this many allegations, well, not that this many, as in like a huge number, to have allegations and to be innocent is because when I was in high school, I played basketball for a pretty prestigious high school and uh, we were ranked in the country. But my coach um, back in the day, uh, the year after I graduated, uh, he got hit with a lawsuit by a couple kids who said that he verbally abused them on the team. And um, they were uh, threatening the school with a civil lawsuit. And uh, when the school basically didn't um, negotiate with them, told them to get lost, they went on a television show and made their own documentary. And it was national news at the time. And uh, my coach's name was getting dragged through dirt. This was only happening because my coach actually coached Steve Nash, uh, who was a NBA MVP. So a private school coach who uh, bullied kids was a big story in Canada. But to me, I was there for all the interactions. I knew that they weren't true. So back then I was already defending my coach from these allegations on Twitter, defending him. It's very close to what, uh, MJ fans are doing right now, but this was for a whole different situation. So in my head, if you got two kids from a school who can sue a coach and they can lie about it, then imagine Michael Jackson, right? At a much bigger scale. That's why I've been inclined to believe Michael Jackson. And, uh, I definitely do plan to make a documentary on my coach as well one day.
0: You're going to have quite the portfolio then.
4: <laughs> Thank you. That's the plan.
0: So is there any questions that we haven't asked about you or Square One that you were like hoping that you could talk about? Have we missed anything? Is there anything that people have like mentioned that really has bugged you that you would
4: like to us to ask you about so you can clarify? I guess it's just the I get a lot of DMs about how to uh, how to use the website to buy the tickets, and uh, <laughs> that's kind of the funniest one because I'm just like uh, just click the click the website and it'll, it'll show you. Other than that, I think we did pretty well. I think we covered all the bases, and I'm very excited for you guys to see this documentary. Us
0: too. So, in our show notes, head to our show notes for this episode. We're going to have uh, links to the trailer for square one which was really well put together and we're also going to have links now we'll get that off you for the tickets for the premiere perfect and whatever other links you want us to include just send them to us we'll put them in the show notes for everyone to access either in their podcast app that they are currently listening to on your device or the website mjcast.com, and this is episode 108 Danny Wu, where can people find you on social media?
4: Oh, nice. My favorite part. (laughs) You can find me on YouTube uh, with my name, Danny Wu, uh, just D-A-N-N-Y-W-U. I spell that out because the last podcast I was on, um, the host was like, so how do you pronounce your name? Is it we? Is it? (laughs) Uh, What? I know. (laughs) I was kind of shocked too, but, uh, so you can find me on YouTube with my name, Danny Wu on Twitter. It's just Danny Wu. And then it's Y U E. And you can also find me on Instagram at D Y W U. So D Y Wu, that's my nickname, which is kind of weird because, uh, that's the same amount of syllables as my actual name, but
3: (laughs) 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 so
0: you can find it. Awesome. We'll put links for all those in the show notes as well. Just want to say thank you for especially your YouTube channel for the content that you've had there this year so far with, you know, Taj and Brandy. And then your, your, you've done like multi-part videos. You've gone back to address stuff. I watched one not long ago where, you know, you finished up even addressing the LaToya stuff you know, because when she was abused by Jack Gordon and she went on all those TV shows and said stuff. And there was even, I remember watching as a kid. So I was like a young teenager she came on an Australian TV show. I believe it was A Current Affair hosted by Ray Martin, who's a very well-known journalist here in Australia. And she made those allegations against Michael and, and supported the allegations against him, but there was someone off camera instructing her what to say. So she was, you know, sort of looking to the side of off camera and there was someone actually giving instructions to her on what to say. And it was like the most bizarre and, almost scary interview because you're like, what is actually happening here? It was very, and and Ray was addressing it. I think she even may have walked out of that interview. Right. She Uh, just like tore the microphone off. So, you know, you address stuff like that. And I just want to say, head over, check out Danny's stuff. If you haven't seen it, you know, we've been sharing it on Twitter. Yeah. There's some really good stuff. And also to your good mate, Liam McEwen, who does, some
4: terrific content yeah i'm glad you brought up the latoya stuff though because the exact video that um the exact interview that uh you referenced to will be in square One. Oh
0: well there you go it's probably probably in better quality than i've got it packed away in a vhs cassette <laughs> in a in a box in the garage <laughs> that's
4: crazy that was just a wild interview in in general that was for people to use that against her right now is just beyond me
0: yeah, and they go, Oh, well, you know, why doesn't she come out? She's like, Mate, she's like written a book about it. She's re- did an album about it, you know, it was called Starting Over. She's done countless interviews, which I was really happy that you included some of those about the abuse that she suffered and why she said those things and couldn't escape the relationship. So right. yeah, no, you you've got some really good stuff out there and I wanna extend my gratitude for you Thank to you. do that. Thank you. And you yeah, guys as was, We know it's
4: a lot of work. Oh, thank yeah. you. Because I know. Uh, yeah, because it's, it's very special because you guys were the first MJ podcast that I've ever listened to. Obviously, um, I told you earlier with the uh, the roundtable. But after that, you know, I kind of binged through your podcasts, the Harrison Funk. And then the next one, I think, was the Tom Mesereau 10-year uh, vindication. You guys talked about Wade Robson a little bit, but it wasn't that big of a deal back then. Uh, I remember I remember it was these were great memories and um you guys are helping um show the other side of the story and um it's kind of surreal to me from listening to all your podcasts in my car to finally being on here you know it's
0: sort of the same for me like watching your videos and then I'm like actually having a a proper conversation with you. Not just like when you watch something, you go, yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. (laughs) It's like, we're actually answering back and forth. It's always a very strange thing, but we really appreciate your time today uh, and all the work that you put into your content. And we really wish you the best of luck with Square One. And yeah, we'll be uh, sharing that around the place. So I think we're going to go to a little music break. Are we, Jamin?
2: Yes, let's do it. Smile though your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds In the sky you get by If you smile through your fear and sorrow Smile and maybe tomorrow You'll see the sun come shining through For you Light up your face with gladness Every trace of sadness Although a tear Maybe it was so near That's the time You must keep on trying Smile That life is still worthwhile If you just smile Although your heart is aching Smile even though it's breaking When there are clouds Come up everybody this is judith hill and you're listening to the mj cast
1: danny i have just stalked the hell out of you online and added you on facebook instagram twitter and youtube (laughs) all in one hit generally you don't
0: tell people when you stalk them (laughs) the listeners should
4: do the same (laughs) sending the example (laughs) in
0: that particular order as well Let's get geeky with some fan stuff, shall we? Let's do some finds yes. of the week. Jamin, I'm very excited for you to present yours because I know it and I love it.
1: I, for some reason or another, bizarre, I know, but I had never seen this until this week. So I have seen other Captain EO related sort of behind the scenes stuff, but I'd never I'd never watched this uh, Disney Channel piece before, the making of Captain EO. Uh, it, it is a legit 1980s Disney Channel thing hosted by Whoopi Goldberg. It goes for an over an hour. It's like a feature-length documentary on the making of Captain EO. It's got animatronics and miniatures and interviews with George Lucas and Francis Coppola and you name it. It is the most 80s thing I've ever seen. It's the most aw- <laughs> awesome thing I've ever seen. Uh, the the crazy neon 3D effects of the Captain EO logo and it's just out of this world. Uh, I, I loved it. And uh, if you have not seen the Disney making of Captain EO, go and watch it because it's great. That's what I've been enjoying
4: this week.
0: And that worked out well with our episode also featuring the Michael Trapson, Trapson EO. <laughs> Trapson EO. Was yeah. that an intentional thing? No, I, I
1: legitimately, it, it it just popped up in my YouTube feed. You know what? It Because I watched the Trapson thing. So maybe, you know, the That's, algorithm yeah, showed me the right. making of Captain EO, but. Yeah,
0: Danny, did you ever get a chance to see Captain EO when it was in the Disney
4: parks in the US? No, I, I didn't get a chance. I'm a bit too young for that, <laughs> but uh, but uh, I just I, I watched Captain EO when I was first becoming a Michael Jackson fan, and uh, it just blew my mind. <laughs> Yeah, the
0: making of is amazing. It's been actually quite a while since I've seen this, Jamin. So thank you for including the link in our show notes because uh, when I get a chance, I'll go and watch it and love it all over again. Enjoy. <laughs> Will do. Yeah. How can you not enjoy Captain Neo related stuff? It's amazing.
1: What have you been enjoying that's MJ related this week?
0: I have found uh, the latest video which came out for Michael's birthday by the world's best MJ YouTube video remixer, Malk Jennings, on his Smooth MJ YouTube channel. Since the early 2000s, I have always just been blown away by the videos that Malk puts together. This one is called Legends Never Die. It is a tribute to Michael and also to his fans. Uh, It is set to the song Legends Never Die by League of Legends. And it includes footage from not only of Michael, awesome footage of Michael, but it includes footage from fan tributes from all over the world, like flash mobs, school talent shows, prom dances, wedding dances, sporting events, halftime shows, just the most incredible and touching tributes from little kids all the way up to, you know, grown adults and and dance classes and schools. and, And it's just incredible. And again, terrific editing, great song choice and Malk, man, I love your work so much. And I hope... That you will get a lot more views on this because it deserves it, as all that does the rest of your stuff. The videos he did for Michael's anniversary back in June, he did two that I shared a lot on Twitter at the time. Oh my God, they were just phenomenal. Like, but yeah, this is the latest and I love it. So that is my finds of the week. Go and check it out. Nice. Danny, what about you?
4: Yeah, Danny, you brought <laughs> something to the table. Right. Uh, my finds of the week. Uh, So basically, every other night, Liam McEwen just sends me like 10 Michael Jackson videos that um, are finds. So I have like a find every day. Uh, But what I find most interesting was a video that he sent about Michael Jackson, 96 in Brunei, uh, jam, but it was amateur footage. And I'm someone who just love amateur concert footage because it just makes you feel like you're there right it just it, yes. it's it's, um, it's something about it and it's so hard with michael because most of the amateur quality is very terrible other than some for the 2001 concerts uh but this one from 96 it was such a good angle it just made you made made me feel like i was at the concert uh another one was um the 97 Monique uh, amateur for billy jean uh which was really interesting as well did you guys know that the tv broadcast that you guys watch uh for the bo- for the Munich show uh for the billy jean is actually also cut from two shows from two munich shows or from another show as well Two two munich two munich shows wow yeah cool. i didn't know that until uh until recently so uh it kind of blew my mind are these clips that you're speaking about now are they on youtube yeah everything yeah youtube sweet
0: well you need to send us those links i
4: will send you the links right after this nice
0: um i totally agree with what you said about amateur footage makes you feel like you're actually in the audience watching and when they do concert films i get the whole thing you know like let's use Bucharest as an example i get the whole thing where you know they show the the edits of, you know, the the wide shot of the stage and then the, sh- the, the small shot of the stage and then the crowd shot and then looking out to the crowd back from the stage. I guess visually it does make it more exciting, but it really does take you out of the audience.
4: It's a bit much for me, to be honest, all those edits.
0: Yeah, like I just think yeah. when they do concert films, they should have the option and they can. It's like, hello, they've been doing multi-angle things that you can choose on a DVD since like the late 90s, really, that they have should have the option that you can watch it either with the different shots of the wide stage or the close-up or whatever, but they should have it so that you can choose to watch it
4: as you are in the exactly especially for some of his performances like dangerous when he goes into the dance break you know you need to watch that from the front you know stop cutting to the side of the side of the dancers like no one needs to see that we want a front angle of the stage or during the moonwalk for some shows uh they cut to the front
1: bucharest they do that they cut for the i think it's from the front or something for half the moonwalk it's like what what I think in the
4: yeah in the BBC in the BBC footage they cut and in the HBO they uh, remain on the stage.
0: Well, it's a good thing we're wrapping this episode up because I've just had the alert on my phone that I have ten percent battery left, which is very <laughs> annoying. But uh, just a few quick thank yous from me. Uh, thank you, Elise, for sending me a package recently, which included. A uh, Michael Jackson bracelet. It's a little red woven beaded bracelet just like Michael used to wear and which Paris actually wears Michael's now. Created by MJ Giving Tree Shop. Head over to Instagram for that account or the other account is MJ Giving Tree over on Instagram and I think Twitter is the same name but most of the, the posts and interaction happens over on Instagram but Elise thank you for that really thoughtful gift I've been wearing that uh, when I head out especially when I went to the um the Michael birthday charity lunch here in Perth so thank you Elise for that but also in the package was something that we spoke about on the show when Elise was in Los Angeles for the in the studio with MJ seminar and a listener of ours had made show art. Pamela Bajal from Berlin in Germany made this incredible fold-out film strip card art piece, which says, Dearest MJ mates from the MJ cast, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. Your podcast is priceless and so much what Michael stood for. Please keep up the great work. Lots of love, Pamela Bajal. And it has pictures of... Us, Jamin, you know, people that we've had on the show, like, of course, Elise and Charles Thompson and Damien Shields, but also our dear friend TJ, uh, rest in peace TJ, which I thought was really special. But then there's like just in the film strips that go down, you know, just so much awesome Michael imagery of him with collaborators, other online content creators and other podcasts and MJ books It's a really special piece, and I was really moved by it. So thank you for that, Pamela. We really appreciate it. Just a couple of emails. I'll say hello to Will Lula from Cuba, Mariel Bumgana, and Cheryl and Young June, who are listening in Virginia. Thank you all for your emails. We get so many emails, folks. Know that they all do get read. We just can't reply to all of them. But um, you can email us, if you'd like, at the MJcast at icloud.com. We're across social media, of course, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. Find us, The MJ Cast, The MJ Cast. And you're listening to us, so that's great you found us. We're on podcast apps, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts podcast republic on android or any other android podcast app we're on spotify TuneIn radio probably all of those things you can find us and if you're old school and you do not have a smartphone or a tablet or something that does apps you can listen to us via the mjcast.com which is our website and don't forget, you've got Danny Wu's details for his social media already, so you can go and stalk him.
4: <laughs> like I did. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Just like
4: Jamie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Jamin. Danny, thank you so much for coming on the show. My wife actually asked me, she wanted to know whether you are connected with the Chinese uh MJ community, she sometimes goes to their Facebook page. I think it's MJCCN.
4: Yeah, I'm I'm connected with the leader, Keen. Um Keen is a great uh he actually hit me up after the Brandy interview. Uh surprise, surprise again. Uh uh he hit me up, gave me a great introduction to the site, and uh, we added each other on Chinese social media and developed a connection from there. We found out that we're both from Sichuan province which is really cool. And um, he's actually thinking about uh, screening it in China as well. Wow. That would be amazing. The day after that I um, released it, the trailer, what Keen did was he got his team to make the Chinese subtitles right away. And uh, they dropped a Chinese version and I gave them them an interview. And uh, it it was crazy because they, they, they got so many fans there.
1: I wonder if there's a Chinese MJ podcast.
0: I wonder that, too. Mm. Well, you actually featured in some Chinese media recently regarding Square One, didn't you? There was that article that we spoke about before we started recording.
4: Yes, yes. Uh, um, Keen, uh, in addition to running the biggest Michael Jackson fan site in the world, uh, basically, he is also a senior reporter. Originally, I was giving him an interview for a fan article. But he just really liked my story. So um, he was like, can I have permission to interview you for a news article that I'm doing? I'm like, of course, like anytime. So uh, we did that, got that published. The article gained some traction, which is really cool. Yeah, it's the first non-basketball article that I'm featured in. so. Definitely gonna
0: get that printed. Very cool. Yeah, and send us when you send us those other links. Send us a link to that. I know I shared it this week, uh, but I've done a lot of tweets, so scroll back (laughs) a long time to find it. But yeah, send us that link. We'll put that in the show notes in our additional links. But yes, also thank you for joining us. Thank you for Square One and for reaching out for us to share it, which we're happy to do, and for also discussing. The other documentaries, Chase the Truth and the Lies of Leaving Neverland, and also for your time in, you know, getting up to speed with
4: the other news stories that we discussed today. We thank really you. appreciate
0: that as well.
4: It's great for me too to be caught up in this type of thing because you know, when you're editing all the time, you're kind of just in a bubble. You're not really caught up yeah. in anything, and then you're just like, oh my gosh, there are trees. <laughs> it's like
3: a whole
4: new world. Nice. Well, yeah, thank you
0: everyone for listening to the MJ cast. Danny, thank you. We'll be in touch and uh, we look forward to square one and keep us updated if there's any other huge developments
4: with that as well. Thank you. Uh, And to all the viewers, I'll see you on October 5th, October 5th, I should say. (laughs) Unless they're in LA, then you'll see them earlier. Yes, unless you're in LA and then we go for dinner together
0: all right well we better we better wrap this up guys thank you so much um i look forward to getting the links from you danny but again thank you for your time and uh i'm gonna sign off now michael on keep michaeling
4: keep michaeling
0: got a catchphrase danny got a catchphrase you want to sign off with
4: uh uh see you in october
0: (laughs) (laughs) October. (laughs) (laughs) nicely done
4: Also, final question. Can I ask you guys a question? Because this is more for my assistant, because we're all going to be there in LA. Um, Do you guys prefer Disneyland or Universal?
1: Well, well, well. you just (laughs) asked the right guy, let me tell you.
0: Okay. Well, you can go first, Jamin.
1: Well, no, I'm talking about you. I mean, there's only one answer that's going to come from you without (laughs) this one.
0: Well, I have to be honest. I've actually never been to a Universal park. Okay. Um, Our closest ones in Singapore, I actually listened to a podcast, uh, the latest podcast from TDR Explorer um, Mm -hmm. that is actually about Universal Studios in Singapore. They were the first Universal Studios to get the Transformers ride. They actually premiered in the Singapore Park. It's a smaller park, but it has got some unique attractions as well. So I've actually never been, but I have to say I would really like to go to the US Universal Park's because of um, they've still got a couple of the original things but they've uh-huh. also got the Harry Potter lands and stuff but some of the stuff is gone now i really 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 would like to see the terminator 3d attraction and mm-hmm. the jaws attraction and the old style king kong attraction so yeah, I don't I the actually king
3: know how kong right, of that has gone now Ugh.
0: yeah So, they've got the new version where you're in like a tram car and stuff, but and they've got the like Skull Island sort of King Kong attraction at one of the parks. Um, But I'm a Disney like park (laughs) explorer. Uh, You know, we're looking at returning (laughs) to Hong Hong Kong. To put it lightly. (laughs) I haven't done all of them, don't worry. There's still (laughs) Florida and Shanghai I have not visited, but we're planning our fifth trip to Hong Kong Disney in October, all going well in Hong Kong, um, we are planning our fifth visit to Hong Kong Disneyland, which I guess is my home park because it's the closest. That's true.
1: Danny, this guy yeah. has his podcast app loaded up with, like, I'm talking, like, probably half a dozen Disney park-related yeah. podcasts. He stays at Disney <laughs> hotels. That's this amazing. guy Enjoy. is Disney historian extraordinaire. There's a guy on the
0: I saw um, my first Captain EO was at Tokyo Disneyland. That was where I first saw Captain EO there. And I saw it again uh, in 2010 at Disneyland California with a friend of the show, Paul Black. We actually went to Disneyland on the first day of my honeymoon. Long story. But anyway, I got to see uh, Captain EO there. That was my Mm -hmm. first visit to Disneyland, California. Uh, and then I've also seen Captain EO at Disneyland Paris as well. That's so I've seen awesome. three of the four Captain EOs, which was very
4: awesome. They brought Captain EO back for a short amount of time, right? Yeah, In that's
0: 2009? when I got to see it. That Yeah, nice. so it was after 2009. I didn't get to see the original run because mm-hmm. I hadn't left the country as a kid or anything to go to Disney parks. But yeah, mm-hmm. it was... Then uh, the second, the, the Tribute, Captain EO, the Tribute re-release at the Disney parks that I had for a number of years that I got to see it. So I am a Disney parks nerd first and foremost, but it's only because I haven't been to a Universal Park. That's true. But I do keep on top of their developments. I'm very excited for their Nintendo uh-huh. Land expansions. What? Wow! Yes, Florida is, and I think California as well, they're both getting Nintendo lands at Universal Parks and Japan Mm -hmm. is, I think, getting it first. I think they're quite well under construction in Japan at the Osaka Universal. Mm -hmm. Huge. So think of like a Donkey Kong ride. Wow, that would be great. And, well, hang on, hold on to your hat, Mario Kart.
4: Wow, that's... So that Mario Kart is going to, always going to be my favorite.
0: Yeah. So you know it's very. This is an exciting time for theme park fans because there is big competition. Of course, Disney just did their Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which looks insane. And before the end of the year, we're going to get to see what the rise of the Resistance attraction is. <laughs> it opens in Florida in December, and that is going to be freaking wild, Jamin. I haven't sent you any links lately, <laughs> but um. Think this attraction will blow your mind. What's well, Jim pick? Yeah,
1: maybe one day if I actually go well, i I've never been to the States. So or oh, okay. or France or or Japan. So I've never really been to a Disney park ever.
0: Well, when you get there, you will be like very happy because there's yeah. very exciting things getting constructed. I would but say yeah.
1: if I had to guess, the first Disney park I go to will probably be either Hong Kong or Shanghai, because I go to china so much so right it'll happen at some point within the next year or two but yeah
4: if you're in it. china let me know um i'm in Chengdu all the time can arrange I mean, it if you guys come over Can you like hang out
0: that would be incredible that
1: be yeah.
4: incredible
0: that. yes and when we one day return to beautiful canada i will let yes you know as well
4: yes let me know let me know i'll be i'll be the tour guide <laughs> i volunteer oh, man. <laughs> love that
0: there you go cool do you have um what are your coffee houses in Vancouver I know Toronto is the second cup coffee house everywhere and Tim
4: Hortons as well which was so cheap still blows my mind yeah Tim Hortons is the chain um Vancouver has a lot oh what happened here okay can you hear me yes I can good. I think one of my earphones just died but um (laughs) because I'm on airpods (laughs) Uh, but uh, oh but yeah. there you go
1: <laughs> yeah mine are about to conk out too <laughs> the MJ cast